0: Wrestling keeps the <laughs>
1: the immortal words last night from one vin ken mcmahon uh on a awesome episode of smackdown so i had of course you know say those words right before our show because we've missed you so much and if you didn't know this is wrestling geeks alliance a weekly show in which me and my co-host christopher brother ray patton break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news provide you with previews and reviews for the shows from the past week hey chris how's it going man i can't do the show without you i think i say that every friggin' week but it's true are you having a
0: uh yeah man it's been a lovely week got nothing to really really complain about wasn't too busy at work gotta watch some wrestling as always how was your week buddy how's it going over there
1: doing good doing good couldn't complain you know just uh enjoying the day and uh going to be enjoying the weekend but of course i gotta start it off by talking about some pro wrestling uh with you but um unfortunately man we have to start out once again uh with the sour note
0: yeah the shit's getting really old (laughs) to
1: be honest
0: unfortunately
1: and unfortunately uh so are some of the wrestlers but like you know before we get into talking about the great paul orndorff um I was thinking, while making the show notes, I was like, did this happen last week and we already covered it? But that's because we did Del Wilkes last week. So, um, Jesus, man. Uh, Just, I would, I just want to start off by saying that Paul Orndorff is extremely important to his era of wrestling, specifically with the WWE. Um, He was in the first WrestleMania, uh, tagging with... Uh Mr. Rowdy Roddy Piper uh, with uh Bob Orton uh Jr., Randy Orton's father in their corner with his uh, of course, broken arm. That's why he couldn't participate in it. Going against Hulk Hogan with Mr. T and uh Jimmy Snuka, making sure that uh, you know, uh Bob didn't do anything. But if you've seen the first WrestleMania, you know that. Uh, but he had a rivalry that started off as a friendship with him and Hulk Hogan which would have him turning on Hulk Hogan. So primarily that's what I knew him from. He would make his transition to WCW when I started watching WCW as a kid. And they tried to bring him back. They did this really goofy uh, promo with, um, I believe, Dan Spivey's brother. I can't remember what his name is. Um, Trying to get him back into the mode of uh, being Mr. Wonderful. But in all actuality, he was a fantastic wrestler, very solid in the ring. He had that premise to him, that pageantry that a lot of wrestlers, I would say, try to do uh, going all the way back to the days of uh, Gorgeous George and then Buddy Rogers shortly after him, um, but did it right, uh, you know, uh, for his era, his his uh, fellow wrestlers, and especially with the pouring uh, on Twitter that you saw from people like Ric Flair and, you know, just everyone in general, especially from his era, he was... A solid in ring wrestler. He understood his character, and even uh, seeing great stuff from uh, Paul Pierce, uh, who apparently he said that he was a huge influence on him, or Adam Pierce. Yeah, the the I can't remember his his moniker, but he's a WWE past NWA champion. Um, said he had the best uh, pile driver, and that's been kind of said. It's usually between him, Lawler, and Funk for who had the best uh, pile driver. Uh, but was extremely safe about it. Even Hulk Hogan had no problem with him pal driving him, which says a lot. And, uh, kind of end it, Bobby Roode said that he was his biggest inspiration. I know that Roode's definitely said that people like Flair, Arn Anderson, um, you know, uh, Rick Rude, obviously influenced him, but Paul apparently was one of his favorites growing up, and you can see a lot of that. So, uh, I don't know. Passing it to you, Chris, you might be more familiar, maybe I'm just assuming, with some of his stuff late 80s, early uh, you know, 90s uh, WCW run, because I kind of, I wasn't watching at that point. But uh, Mr. Wonderful himself, Paul Orndorff, uh, you know, dead way too young from cancer, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, so with Paul Orndorff, I kind of know him more from WCW as you were talking about the WWF stuff. But specifically, the thing I remember most, at least about his run and me growing up, was his feud with uh, Cactus Jack and uh, Harley. Basically, what happened is uh, Rick Rude was injured, so they had to figure out a replacement for Clash of the Champions, I believe it was. And Harley Race, whoever won Harley Race, was going to be their manager. Harley Race kind of screws over Cactus Jack, and it leads into this feud that lasted, I want to say at least, three or four months, and then Vader got involved and they spun to Jack and, and uh, Vader down the line. But that's one of the feuds I would probably remember the most with Paul Orndorff. Uh, good shit. I mean, I always enjoyed watching him in WCW. I watched, you know, some of this happened when I was like five or six. <laughs> so most of this was going back retroactively yeah. and watching watching old tapes. And when we used to do, uh, shout out to Stroh, when we used to do the uh, the basically we streamed every wrestling event from I want to say like 86 to 2003 just in a row, <laughs> like as they would happen in weekly order uh, back on Justin TV. So that's really throwing it back. But I, I specifically remember loving this early era of WCW, which I know is not a lot of people's favorites, but there was some great stuff there. I mean, you had Orndorff uh, teaming with stunning Steve Austin, which I think a lot of people forget about. Um, And then in Smoky mountain wrestling, I remember him, him and Ronnie Garvin having a match that was really good. I think it was like what you were talking about, a pile driver match. So to win the match, you had to hit a pile driver, (laughs) which was kind of a unique concept. Um, But I really like, uh, I really like Paul Orndorff. I wish I kind of knew more about his, WWF career outside of, you know, the obvious, like you were talking about with WrestleMania, et cetera. But I, I kind of really only know his work in WCW, I would say from like 90 to 95. And he kind of was in and out of WCW during that time period. But uh, yeah, specifically had to pick one feud to go check out uh, him and Cactus Jack with Harley Race being there. And that, and that leads into Jack versus Vader, like I said. So that, that whole section time period of wrestling is great if you like paul Orndorff. also wasn't he there in the room with the uh arn anderson the famous arn anderson sid vicious fight i believe so
1: <laughs> trying to pull away sid after he stabbed fucking arn anderson so there's
0: uh, a i think he has a couple of shoot interviews where he talks about that so if you just <laughs> want to hear him uh talk a little bit about that you can check that out for sure but uh yeah, I, I love Paul Orndorf, Mister Wonderful. I like, he's kind of great. I mean, when he was working with Paul, or like I said, the Harley race in the feud, the early stuff in WCW, I really, really enjoyed. Um, but like, that's my probably my biggest memory of him, just because I didn't a lot of the other WWF shows. The I guess what was it? The Saturday Night Shotgun Saturday Nights. What was the name of their their shit in the eighties?
1: I believe you're right. Or, or are you talking about WWE or WCW? uh WWE. Oh, um Saturday night main event.
0: Yeah, so like a lot of those episodes and stuff I've I've watched and skimmed over, but I know he was kind of frequent
1: on there for a while, right? Yep. Well, and, and I got to say a silver lining we were just talking about, and I just wanted to mention because I I I made a false uh information. He passed away due to complications of dementia and he was at the age of 71, so I realized I said cancer. Apologize about that but you know is the fact that as unfortunate as to see a wrestler pass away from that era specifically because it's getting more and more um a lot of the times you know the wcw side of things and i know the wwe side of things from where we were born originally me obviously in boston and you here in the great state of georgia but uh yeah man um i don't know i guess that 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 could be considered a, a good thing. It uh, just sucks. Another big wrestling legend um, passing away. But uh, this, this also kind of, and I, I talked to you about this, Chris, is some, uh, some not really statistics, but uh, it, information broke uh, within all of this about, you know, now that Paul's gone, officially every member of the Heenan family uh, is no longer with us. And also, uh, based on Wrestlemania 1 through 6, um, all the people that Hulk Hogan went against, Wrestlemania 1, obviously, Piper and Orndorff, uh, Wrestlemania 2 with uh, whatchamacallit, King Kong Bundy, the next two WrestleManias with Andre, Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior, all no longer with us. It's uh, crazy to look back um, on stuff like that.
0: Yeah, it is absolutely insane to think about that. Yeah. Um... I just want to bring up one other thing that I forgot to mention was his tag team work with, um, God, Paul Roma. That's pretty wonderful.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: that was a real fun tag team. Kind of short-lived, but they're two tag t- two-time tag team champions, I believe. Two or three times. Um, but, yeah, I also knew that he worked at the WCW power plant for a while. But, yeah, it is, it is crazy to think about. But, you know, 71, that's pretty – for – The lifestyle that these guys lived that's a that's a good that's a good career in in life i would think you know if i make it to 70 i'll be really happy but uh yeah unfortunate as always whenever we have a passing like this absolute legend wwe hall of
1: famer right yep and uh like we normally do oh unless you had something else to say before we do that
0: no, I mean, like I said, if you if you want to check out a couple matches, if I did throw some stuff out there, uh, check out the Cactus Jack matches and um, probably that Ronnie Garvin match if it's up on the cock. If not, you'll have to hunt it down on hunt it down on Daily Motion. I I don't know if WWE Network has I don't know if they have their Smoky Mountain wrestling stuff up yet. I haven't looked, but it, Pro- it probably be. not it should be out there because he was part of the first heavyweight, the inaugural. Heavyweight Championship crowning tournament with a dirty white boy and God, who else was there? I, I'm blanking right now, but he he was part of that original tournament. Maybe Tracy
1: Smothers. I'm sure a couple other people. Buddy Landell, I think actually. <laughs> Damn. So uh, yeah, good shit. Yeah, man, sounds like it, and I would definitely suggest uh, he, has, he has a pretty legendary uh, cage match with Hulk Hogan that blew off their feud, but they had some pretty good matches. I believe it is actually Saturday Night Main Event uh, where the two of them have that match, but one of the best pile drivers in the game, a uh, great wrestler, influenced people like Paul Pierce and, and, and uh, Bobby Roode and a bunch of other, slew of other wrestlers. Here's 10 seconds to Mr. Wonderful Paul, Paul Orndorff.
2: All right, well, let's move on.
1: Okay, let's talk about the stuff that's not uh, wrestling-related. The Dustin uh, Poirier-Conor McGregor fight that happened this last weekend uh, that we were talking about who was going to win. I don't think me or Chris thought that it would go down the way that it went down, where Conor Anderson Silva himself, basically, (laughs) throughout the course of it. This was a shit show. This was the blow-off match. The first win went to Connor. Dustin got the second win, obviously, a couple months ago. Connor going back to Connor tactics and definitely seemed even more staged more than ever. But still pissed off Dustin because he was bringing up his wife being in his DMs. Um, and you would think that someone like Connor could go off a little bit elegant. No, uh, I mean it was nowhere as bad as what happened with the whole Khabib thing. Even though that was more you know, Khabib's uh, side of things. But, I mean, Connor definitely made that whole entire concept just completely boil over with antics that we're all used to, very much a lot of wrestling-styled concepts to build the fights. But sometimes he gets a little bit too hostile, I would say, like throwing things at at buses, you know. Khabib wanted to kill him back then. But uh, Dustin, you know, uh, I mean, Connor at one point was able to get, Some good hits in, but it really looked like, and we'll never know, uh, that Dustin was going to get the better of him, especially in the next round. But Connor backing up from some punches, a little bit of connection, went back and rolled and seemingly broke his ankle. Looked pretty damn gnarly. And uh, took his loss by sitting on his ass. And I understand, but I understand why. But I also think that, you know, if I was him, I would have wanted my friggin' team to come over and stand me up so I could actually talk and just proceeded to talk up another fight and take more shots while wow! Dustin's uh, wife was flicking him off, uh, saying about her being in his DM. So, look like a chump. Um, I know that he has more fights scheduled. I heard Chris Jericho this week on, but on um, Keeping It 100 with Conan and Disco talking about, like, if he was, and I've heard other people say this, if he was Dustin, and Connor's going to keep on going after for another fight and, and claim what she did, he's he broke his own ankle, but try to use that as a crutch. Even though obviously it seemed like Dustin was getting the better of him throughout the fight. Um, say he wants equal pay. I mean, demand that, and if not, then fuck it. Go on with your career. Let if they want to keep on continuing. I think that Connor technically has two more fights uh, with UFC, but. This was a big hit, and I don't think he acted – I'm not saying act like a class act because we know Connor, but I – that was – that wasn't even classic Connor. That was just, like, kind of pathetic, to be honest with you. And uh, I think the only, uh, only person smiling at the end of that was maybe Vince McMahon if he was watching the fight or getting told what happened from Triple H. Hey, Dad, you what are you going to do, Connor, he, He's fucked. He's done. We're going to run to Rousey. Yes! Uh Chris what do you think?
0: So the fight was like pretty good in the first I want to say first minute or so but from what I saw and Connor's out there saying that he had stress fractures in his leg going into this match is he threw a kick and it looks like to me Poirier blocked it with his kneecap and then from there Connor immediately goes for a guillotine which is to me I don't know that I've ever seen Connor straight try that right off the rip like that and he tried to stick with it and then you could kind of see he fought the almost the rest of that round on his back just throwing up kicks so i don't know like to me it looks like he got hurt like almost instantly in the match and then fought on his back and then we got back up and just tried to take that step back it's like just that little bit amount of weight finished his leg off and he broke his i want to say they said his tibia and fibula and he just had surgery which was successful so i mean you hate to see a match end like that because i thought that this was going to be a pretty good fight i know a lot of people were saying that like dustin looked like he was going to finish him in the second round that's almost impossible to know if he fractured his leg so badly off one of those kicks and then stood up and it just folded you know what i mean (laughs)
2: like
0: if he injured himself at 30 40 seconds into the match then it's hard to say but uh yeah it was wild it definitely looked disgusting I'll say that. So if you have a, uh, a fear of seeing bones fold over on their selves, I wouldn't recommend. Wobble limbs. <laughs> yeah. Wobble, wobble limbs. <laughs> I, would, I, w- I wouldn't recommend watching this. If you, if you were disgusted by the Sid Vicious break, I wouldn't recommend watching this one either. Um, but yeah, I mean, my favorite thing of the night, I don't want to talk about the entire pay-per-view, but was uh, Tua Vasa who came away with performance of the night against Greg Hardy. That guy is fucking entertaining. If you want to bring someone into wrestling, bring, bring this guy in. Shuavasa, out here drinking out of shoes, knocking folks out. Loved it. That was my favorite match of the entire night. So glad to hear he won performance of the night. Just to not to take away from Poirier and, and McGregor. But to me, he was the most entertaining thing on the entire show. And probably my new favorite UFC fighter, Dane. How, how did you feel about Mr. Tuavasa?
1: I liked it, man. I like entertainment. He probably is a wrestling fan because he understands the uh, the way to build himself up, I guess you could say, as a character, uh, which has happened. I hate those MMA fans that like to come down on wrestling, but that's been happening since the beginning of UFC. Uh, and then when it became popular right on the cusp of it, it was very obvious Tito Ortiz was playing a fucking heel uh, with both his, you know, going back and forth with Ken Shamrock and then Chuck Liddell um but yeah i just um what i i thought i thought i liked a lot of the fights uh i think that the two main events people didn't expect them to go so quickly so a lot of people are going to jump to you know being pissed off overall but that's fighting this is not something that is uh you know coordinated to last a long amount of time if you want to see that maybe you should watch a thing called pro wrestling um but what do you think about connor on his ass at the end of it, uh, talking to Joe Rogan with his uh, follow up interview, you know, was Connor being Connor, or do you think Connor was a bit, you know, especially the fact that you just lost, broke your own ankle, and you're still talking shit on your ass? He just came off like that guy that you fucking beat up and he's still shit talking after he's clearly done with the fight. Um, but maybe, maybe I'm thinking too much into it. Uh, maybe if he won and he did something like that. It would be not really okay, but more making sense. But the state that he was in, uh, do you think that Connor went a bit over the top with this whole entire thing? I guess mind games is what he's going for.
0: I mean, I don't know. I would think that the guy was in extreme fucking pain, but also trying to salvage what happened in the match. I've never broken my fibula and tibula at the same time, but I would assume I wouldn't want to do a fucking interview directly after. (laughs) Um, But maybe that's just me. Uh, I mean, part of it is just Connor keeping up the mystique. He's still got two more fights, and this was what the second highest drawing UFC pay-per-view, I think is what they're saying. So, you know what? While Jericho's talking about Poirier um, wanting and asking for more money, which I think he probably should – at the same time, if he's having a title match against the the champion, I can't th- his name escapes me right now. He's not he's still not making as much money as he would be having fighting Conor McGregor, which is fucking ridiculous to think about. Um, but Conor was ranked fourth going into this fight, and I have no fucking idea how that is. They got the uh, the AEW ranking system going on. Maybe he had some fights on Dark.
2: I didn't <laughs> see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> was he on AEW Dark, Dane? Because I don't understand how he Jesus. was fourth. He lost his last... He lost his... What? he's two and five? Two and six
1: now, I think. Um, in his last fight. So Here's how the, the fuck is he ranked fourth? <laughs> so they, if if they go on, they have two more fights scheduled on his contract. But I really feel like Connor is getting towards the end of his career. It's going to take like one person to really knock him on his ass. But if he decides to dedicate and, and talk shit and try to talk up uh, another fight with with uh, with Dustin, that if if he wins, that would kind of clear the board. Even though he'll probably use the fact that this fight it was a you know from more of a technicality on his end of why Dustin got the win. But then you'll be tied again. Would he want after beating Dustin to finally have another rubber match and end that series, or would he go on and then possibly? extend another contract based on that what do you think what do you think uh connor would do
0: well i don't know i would assume that poirier has gonna have a title shot first because he's he was ranked number one going into that fight
1: Ooh, so if he gets the title connor calls him out i feel like i'm doing this more of like a booker of wrestling connor calls him out says the whole thing was a fluke i would have gotten you later on bullshit 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 they have another fight Connor wins and gets the title does do you think that Connor at that point goes hey Dustin we need to have another fighter I won who's next bitch which which uh Connor do you see coming through from that well I mean if Poirier can win
0: the title that's a that's a toss-up in the air in itself but I would assume that Connor needs one fight in between there in my opinion um someone either right next to him or below him in the standings to even make that make sense but, but yeah, if I he mean,
1: loses, he's done. I feel like if another person takes him out, especially knocks him out in the, the first or the second round, even I don't see Connor having a leg to stand on. And I didn't even mean that pun, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. It's, it's Connor McGregor. He's a draw. I mean, how long did they let Tito Ortiz fight after his prime? Really? If you think about it.
2: Yeah.
1: I think,
0: I think as long as he's drawing money and wants to do it, they're going to have him in matches. I mean, Force Griffin is another guy, right? I mean, he wasn't a heel by any means, but it's like he kind of went way longer than what his prime was. I mean, that tends to happen a bit. Kind um, of, I don't know. It's I. I do people, do people also just tune in to see if Conor McGregor's... I think there's two crowds. There's Absolutely. people want to see McGregor win, and there's also people that want to see him get the shippy out of him. He's got, like, the Floyd May- Mayweather thing going. Yep. So there's people that like him, but there's also people that hate him. So, like, if you tell me he's going to get his ass kicked, I'd be like, yeah, I want to see that, kind of. <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: Like.
1: <laughs> yep. No, I completely agree. It just... I don't know. Part of it reminded me of, like, those uh the last couple times with mike tyson especially him pissed off in the interviews afterwards you know finally when he started uh losing kind of still having that like he's mad about himself not being able to be at the level that he once was but crazy thing is he's 32 so he fully has enough time to have a wrestling career after this (laughs) i can't believe he's 32 It's like the difference in ufc ages for for you know uh, compared to wrestling age, is uh, pretty pretty crazy. Any yeah, last words? Yeah,
0: yeah. and speaking of, like, why the fuck is this guy called Wonder Boy if he's 38 years old? I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I, I have never really seen him fight before, but uh, that main event was very underwhelming. He just got, he got kind of absolutely demolished, in my
1: opinion. Like, once he got Wonder, on the ground. Wonder nickname, Bread, I heard, is uh, his new nickname. After,
0: <laughs> After they talked him up so much. I wish I would have put money on that fight because he was heavily favored going into that fucking thing. I probably could have walked out with a good amount of cash.
1: All right, let's get to our next uh not really news. I mean we just didn't comment on it. I, I kind of heard about it and I recently heard the uh the audio. Um this happened on Busted Open two weeks ago. Uh Dave Lagreco was out of town, which Dave built having his shows on Wednesdays and then, you know, on Fridays as well when they were moved to that time for Tony Khan to come in and give a preview of what's going on. And, well, uh, it seemed like Bully Ray, who was in charge that day, uh, I don't know if he pissed off Dave LaGreca, but he kind of, some some of the issues, and, and Bully talks up AEW a lot, but being someone from tag team wrestling, and even though obviously a lot of his career was highlighted with extreme wrestling matches and, and those type of things table matches tlc what have you he came from ecw and then was a part of the whole edge christian hardy boys triangle uh with all their crazy ass matches but you know kind of taking um tony to task about the rules themselves uh, in tag matches right at the beginning he fucks up and accidentally kind of breaks down the rules of like how tony was going for a more sports feel and accidentally said a 20 count instead of 10 count which tony kind of just kept on harboring back on which i think is obviously a slip up i think he knows that it's a 10 count in AEW, but uh even having tony say that you don't even know the count for our shows uh tony basically came off extremely defensive um didn't even acknowledge any anything like that basically said that fans don't really care about uh match rules in a young bucks match because he uh, Bully specifically called out those style matches with referee Knox and kept on saying over and over again, "I don't do referee DQs." That that's silly to me. Um, so instead, blatantly do <laughs> it in front of the referee. I don't know. I was just taken back a bit. I think to, uh, Tony has a lot of stuff going for him creatively, or or just being ambition uh, ambition wise. Paul Heyman-esque, you know, but at the same time, it's also like some Herb Abrams is in there. And uh, uh, definitely for a short time of being a booker, uh, along obviously with QT Marshall and everyone that they have on top, including Jericho and the uh, other EVPs, um, he's writing good show, but sometimes it's a bit sporadic and a big criticism, even though he wouldn't acknowledge it or think, I guess, that his fans like me and you, Chris, don't acknowledge is the disregard in a lot of tag matches Uh, he was talking about lucha rules and i just don't understand why comprehending that maybe you know announcing this lucha Lucha rules tag match especially when they get to the three on threes and, and keep on going would be such a bad thing i don't think bully was trying to attack him and i've definitely heard bully you know interrogate people um i think he was just asking him some questions And I think that Tony got a bit too defensive. I get it, but that was on a Tuesday instead of a Wednesday like they normally do. And the next night, coincidentally, um, and I don't even know if Bully acknowledged this because I didn't hear the next episode, we were talking about that opening match with the Bucks, and it seemed like they went a little bit out of their way to have Rick Knox distracted or trying to do stuff um, not directly in front of him and kind of Heightened that match i think i i specifically said i like that about it so now hearing about this um what do you think what's your take on it i think that tony has a lot of potential as a booker but it didn't seem especially that day he wanted to take criticism he immediately says that you know uh he doesn't have time for this um and wants to go into the rest of the card and then seemed extremely you know not as energetic explain the rest of the card for the next night on dynamite
0: uh, I mean, this entire top of the company is very sensitive when you criticize anything. Seemingly, yeah, go back no. to Cody, go back to Cody Rhodes uh, <laughs> when people criticized his fucking pro USA promo against uh, the UK or whatever the hell that was. Like it's the Revolutionary War or something. Um, anytime someone criticizes something, it's like this company
1: or Jericho last week.
0: Yeah, they. I mean, they go out of their way to protect protect each other and, and put over the product and which to some of that's a little admirable because you're really fully behind the flag of a and and i get it but it's it's not like that the people some of the people that work there haven't also pointed out that it's not it doesn't make any fucking sense when you do this in tag matches sasha <laughs> i mean jim ross and tony Schiavone and taz have all pointed this out on commentary um you know, if you if you don't want people to criticize it, then hey, don't fucking do it. Or come up with a reason to do it. If Rick Knox is really going to be the referee for all the Young Bucks match, give us one segment where they're like talking to him in the back, or paying him off. I threw this out there before. Make Rick Knox a heel referee. I mean, if that's how it's going to be, do the do the NWO WCW gimmick with uh, what is his name? The curly headed referee with the mustache, Neil Neil Patrick think that was it neil patrick um
1: do something no, like no, that. no no you're thinking of nick patrick nick, neil nick, patrick is neil patrick harris nick patrick there you
2: MPH. go sorry
0: had a had a fart brain fart there um do something like that or just fucking tell us that rules don't matter in tag matches make everything a tornado match which I think is what Bully was alluding to coming from ECW. He's like, look, if rules don't fucking matter, just say they don't matter or have different types of matches. If you remember, WWF did that. Not that it was great, but they had the NWA rules, and then they had the WWF rules in the early 90s when Jim Cornette uh, brought back the Hollywood was it Hollywood Blondes or was it the, Rock and, the Midnight Rockers? Or Rock and Roll Express, sorry.
1: Uh, Paul Heyman That's brought fun. back the original, the original, it was, um, I forgot the original member, uh, along with, uh, and I'm forgetting his name too. Oh my God. I got to look this up now. It's not Bobby Eaton and it's not, uh, Stan Lane. It's, it's, uh, Condry and someone else. I can't remember.
0: Yeah. But in, in general, it doesn't matter. I'm just pointing out the fact that you could easily do that. I mean, WCW did it as well with NWA rules where you couldn't go off the top rope or yeah, you could have certain sets of rules. Especially if the Young Bucks are the champions, you could give them some kind of champion. There's ways to explain it if you don't want to give a fuck about it, but then don't criticize people if you're not going to explain it, and then they're going to ask you about it. Like, there's no reason to get defensive. Just be like, it is what it is. If you don't like it, you don't like it. Pull the Triple H, I guess.
1: (laughs) At that point, if you do... (laughs) What I love the comment is, is when he was like, you obviously don't know uh, too much about AEW because you don't know that we have a 10 count instead of a 20 count. Like... Tony, shut the fuck up. Obviously, fucked up on that. He knows that's new Japan rules. Like, and he kept on avoiding the fact that obviously, specifically, what they were talking about, what the fans talk about, what bullies talking about, is specifically in Young Bucks matches or or fast tag team matches where you're doing stuff in front of Rick Knox or any referee, burying them, making them look stupid. Like it's not, you've never heard that criticism. Like we said, Jim Ross is on fucking <laughs> commentary. You are literally listening to him. It's just it's just ridiculous sometimes.
0: I mean, if he would have brought up the 20-count thing the way he did to Bully Ray to me and I was doing this interview, my response would be like, I don't know because you never do a fucking 10-count or a 20-count.
1: <laughs> so, S- yeah. <laughs> if, bully, if Bully wanted to snipe him, you know that he was holding back a bit in that conversation.
0: Because I probably would have sniped him and been like, if you want, if you expect me to know what the fucking count is, why don't you have the referees do one every once in a while? Then maybe I'll fucking understand whatever your weird-ass rules are.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. Um, did you hear about Josh Barnett? He was on uh, Sean Waltman's podcast, and he's talking about the issues that he had with the Young Bucks specifically.
0: I did not. Did did he was was he there in Impact when the Bucks were there?
1: No, he was talking about they didn't. They got mad at him and kind of they didn't like his commentary style because him and Jim Ross, especially him, when they did something that was ridiculous or rules were whatever, whether it be a finisher that should have finished the match and it didn't. They would try to cover for it, but also call out the fact of, like, why did they do that? Kind of similar to what Jim Ross does. But um, I have the quote right here, if you want me to tell you it.
0: Yeah, sure. Go ahead, because I, I doubt I'll ever get around to listening to Xbox podcasts, unfortunately.
1: But, you know, it's 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 fun, but Sean's a little bit well, – I'm not going to even get into that whole entire thing. Anyways, but Josh was – he, basically, Sean said, like, so what's your deal with you and the Young Bucks? Because I heard that there was heat there. And he says, I don't know what their deal is. I, I don't know who riled them up into thinking that me and JR were burying them all the time because we weren't. One of the things that I think was a problem is they wanted to be cool. I'm like, you're heels. Sorry, you cheat constantly. You're constantly cheating, breaking the rules and doing heel stuff. So we're going to say you're despicable. We're, we're going to say you're terrible, horrible, and you're bad people. We didn't say you sucked. We, we just said that you're bad guys because that was your job. Your job was to be bad guys. But it seems like no one wants to be actual heels anymore. Everyone wants to be a cool anti-hero or a cool bad guy heel or whatever. They want to sell all their merch. It's like, no, I'm sorry. If you're a heel, be a heel. Uh, stop trying to worry about whether the fans like you or not. You have a role to fill here. And if you want to run around telling people – To suck it, then people should not want to, or the people should want to kick you in the teeth. That's just the way it is. Nobody wants to be a heel, and that's the problem. Somebody, oh, that's the same exact thing. Um, Wait, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, They used to get Twitter fights constantly. I've never actually had a discussion with them. Nothing ever. I, I, I don't know, and yet. I would constantly cover for them in the matches. They would go and hit the Meltzer driver. Sometimes they do all this crazy stuff and it only gets a two count. My thoughts are, well, I don't want this to seem like it's shit or it's weak or whatever. It's just a hope spot or getting their shit in. I don't want people to view that. I want to say, well, okay, you can see uh, that Matt clearly wasn't able to pull off to the full extent because his right foot came off the ropes. Um, to help them with the fact that they didn't finish with their main pal driver. So apparently they have heat cause you know, and this is just Josh talking about it. Uh, apparently they have heat because the bucks were mad that they acknowledged they were heels and tried to cover for them with certain things of why they wouldn't be able to finish like the psychology basically. Um, is it weird that an MMA, MMA guy like Josh Barnett, a legend within the UFC and MMA, seems to understand the sensibilities of wrestling more so than modern wrestlers?
0: <laughs> it is it's fucking weird. But, like, don't the Bucks have heat with a lot of people, though? Yeah. Like, don't don't they have heat with Daniel Bryan? They said Daniel Bryan, like, was too stiff, which I find fucking highly unlikely. <laughs> In a PWG match, like, if you read their book, it's like they have heat with a lot of people and not just, like, Cornette. It's, uh, at some point, it's like, I, I think you're just... Like I said, I mean, it seems like they they really protect their selves and, and their style and, and the elite. They're all kind of... Uh, I, I'm trying to think of a positive way to put it because I, I like most of these guys. Like, I like the Bucks yeah. as a team. I like Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega is not as... He doesn't seem like he doubles down as much as some of these other people do, but like Young Bucks and Cody and if, and uh, some of these other cats, it seems like they they will double down on stuff like this. And it, it's just weird that they would even give a shit about Josh Barnett at this point. You know, yeah. like if, if there's still heat, like why? <laughs> that would be my question. I it, it is what it is, man. Like it's just such. Some of this shit just seems so fucking petty. Like, it doesn't even matter, right?
1: Um, is the elite pre- becoming the clique of this era, basically? Like, outside of the wrestling in the inner workings, I mean, personality-wise?
0: Isn't, uh, isn't that what they were going for in New Japan before they came over here?
1: I guess so. The only difference is I feel like even... And you can say what you want about Diesel Um, in the ring. It seemed like they cared more about the actual inner workings of wrestling a lot of times uh well at least with the bucks who just disregard the rules and kind of just do whatever the fuck um i don't know i love the young bucks. i mean i some- really do they're a great fucking tag team but some of the stuff like this and a lot of them it just is like god damn it like ugh. well there, i mean there's something to be said about what the young bucks do because
0: they're appealing to that crowd that they brought with them from japan um and that like those style of matches. Like a lot of people like those Young Bucks style of matches. But so far their best match has been more serious with FTR since they've came here. Yep. No, I, mean, I maybe, agree. maybe Paige and Omega was there, but even that match was more of a straight lace tag team match. I mean, when they won it, that's the that's my main thing with the excuse of like, well, people still love the Young Bucks, they don't care about the 10 count. It's like, well, they do because the best matches they've had is when they take tag team wrestling more seriously. Like if you watch them versus the Golden Lovers or you watch them versus FTR, et cetera, like their best tag team matches are <laughs> when they actually give a shit about the rules. Because it, it to me, it enhances the psychology of the match. It doesn't turn into what a lot of people or older wrestling fans, let's say, um, say like a Jim Cornette or some oh, of God the damn. old or the older generation, a lot of the shit they don't like is that some of these matches do turn into, let's do a lot of shit. You know, so I get they're protecting their brand, and I, I'm i sure that younger fans don't give a shit. Maybe, maybe they're completely right. Maybe the younger fans, let's say the lower 18, uh, was 18 to 49, maybe the lower 18 to 49, don't give a single fuck about 10 counts. It's very possible if they grew up watching fucking WWE from 2010 and and then got into the young <laughs> young bucks. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's just weird. I, I think it's you know that some of it's a generational gap and and what you like in wrestling. I don't think there's a right or a wrong. I do. I think that there's ways to explain it so that you can appease both. That's my problem. Is it takes yep. a 10 second explanation to not get criticisms like that and for some of the shit to make sense. And and Josh Barnett talking about like covering up, which I'm assuming was. I'm assuming he worked with them. Where would he would have worked with them?
1: Josh and Jim used to do the uh, American uh, broadcast for the New Japan events post. While they had on site, obviously, you know, whoever with, uh, oh my God, I can't remember his name. Um, Kevin. Ke-
0: Kevin, yeah. Uh, uh, uh,
1: they would do the uh, the American ones that once they aired it on television, basically.
0: Yeah, because Jim Ross would come in and do the access
1: shows. I don't remember. I don't yep. think
0: I watched a lot of those because I usually
1: remember there was a match with Jay White where they were over here in the states and they had Jim Ross and and uh, Josh Barnett uh, do the commentary. And I, Jay took I forgot what wrestler, but smashed him into the uh, guardrail after you know doing it. And like I, Josh was like signaling like, "What the fuck are you doing? It's gonna knock over the announce table." And then he knocked Jim Ross in his ass and Josh in a shoot, like, gut in Jay's face and even followed him back in the ring, and that was shortly afterwards Josh was let go?
0: Yes. I do remember this now. But I, I had completely for- forgotten about that shit. And, and, like, commentary-wise, I always think of, of Kevin on commentary for New Japan, at least the American commentary when I watch yeah. it. But a lot of times I just end up watching the Japanese commentary and don't really... I don't know. Commentary at this point in my life... It, I mean, it can add a lot to a match, but... I mean, sometimes, I'm not going to lie, I watch a lot of shit with subtitles or mute. So, (laughs) it's just one of those things. But yeah, okay, so that would have been when he worked with the Young Bucks. But see, the Young Bucks, even then in New Japan, New Japan was a lot stricter about their matches. I mean, they still were doing crazy shit, but not to the level that they're doing in AEW or what they were doing in PWG.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Just um, some, uh, some stuff towards the elite that, you know, uh, I'm sure that they had in their bio something to compliment what Josh said. I just didn't notice it on Twitter because that's their new way of uh, getting heat is this talking shit about whoever uh, within their bio on their uh, on their tweet machine. But um, yeah, let's move on. Um, speaking about tweets, Bailey had a uh, a nice tweet right before she was about to literally about to go under for surgery. And it's her with a big thumbs down on Twitter. Um, she posted this yesterday. and said, can't wait to miss the first show in front of fans again. I blame you for this. Thanks a lot. And uh, a fan had in the audience uh, that night. Uh, Get well soon, Bailey, you little idiot. And Bailey was not happy with this. She just got done with surgery and said, I'm literally screaming in pain, icing my knee, and somehow still getting called an idiot. So I'm glad, basically, obviously, that Bailey's in good spirits. Um You know, it sucks that she's going to be out for nine months. I think she was one of the unsung heroes, uh, like I've said many times during the pandemic era, if you will, brother. Um, And also in kind of similar news with the women's division, you know, uh, Bianca and Sasha got the uh, best. I, I think it's a WWE match. I wonder when Tony's going to start bitching about that at the ESPYs for their match at WrestleMania. So I was very happy for both those ladies. Uh, judging from last night bianca seems to be pretty fucking over at least in texas but uh what do you think about these tweets bailey going to be is going to be out but seems like she's maybe she's excited about having a little bit of a break i don't know and then also about the SB situation with bianca and sasha winning uh wwe match of uh the year i guess or whatever the fuck for the SBs. well
0: they won best moment wwe moment that's a very specific award <laughs> um but yeah i mean that that's that's fine it was pretty cool uh with bailey i i think it's hilarious the tweets and stuff but at the same time i think me and you both or, or at least me i was expecting her to come back as a babyface nine months from now
1: she's gonna be a cool heel you know or or what did, what the fuck did he call it josh a uh <laughs> I don't know, but you know what I'm saying.
0: Because I would assume that the crowd is going to want to be behind her when she comes back. So I don't know why they're trying to get heel heat when she's not going to be back for nine months, but whatever. I, I, It was funny. I enjoyed the tweets, and it is good that she's in good spirits. It sucks that she's going to be out for
1: so long. Yeah, but we'll see. When she comes back, I think she's going to make a big splash, and I think that a lot of people are going to be happy that she's back. She's basically... We're all waiting for Becky to come back. Who knows if it's gonna be on this next RAW or whatever after the pay per view. But um, you know, same thing. I'm sure they're I'm sure Becky's gonna get a loud reaction. I'm sure Bailey, if she wants them to boo her, she'll be able to get that over because I think she's pretty damn good as a heel, and I never thought I'd say that about her. And if she wants to kind of just be like more of a hard ass baby face, I think they're gonna give her that option based on the crowd. And my God, man, just in general, crowds being back, just I forgot what element really was missing with wrestling. And it almost seems like I'm so used to the pandemic era. Now that I'm seeing crowds back and hearing that response and audience, I forgot what it was like to have that.
0: Yeah. Are you, are you talking about last night's show on SmackDown?
1: SmackDown definitely, but also AEW, all the shows. The fact that Slammiversary tonight is going to be in front of a crowd. We're going to have a big crowd for Money in the Bank. Ring of Honor is getting their crowd back the next Saturday. It just seems like yeah, wrestling's coming back in full force. And the thing that made it full force, Chris, was the fans being there.
0: Yeah, I mean they add so they they really do add so much to the show. Even if they sometimes annoy the fuck out of me on WWE, uh, when we get into SmackDown, I'll give some criticism of the actual production of that show. But uh, for the most part, I agree. I'm excited to see the fans back, especially at Ring of Honor and the AEW. It's uh, it's gonna be great. Also, I love the the well. We'll get into it when we get to SmackDown. But some of the pops on that show were were great.
1: I agree all right uh last bit of news uh before we get into these pay-per-views this weekend give our previews uh cool information because i've seen him rebuild himself uh, specifically in mlw and then before that in new japan but uh harry smith has been at the last two smackdowns and pw insider has reported he has signed with the company um i really like harry smith the uh, son of the legendary david Bo- davy boy smith the british bulldog um, I don't know, you know, he's a little bit later in his career, exactly what they're going to do with him. I'm assuming possibly put him in a tag team. Uh, but he's an incredible wrestler and has built up at least on a singles, uh, you know, sort of way in MLW specifically that he can take on that role. But before that, with the murder monster, um, Lance Archer over in new Japan, just tearing shit up as a tag team having Harry, if you will, come home to the WWE. I hope they do something cool with them. I could see them possibly putting him in a tag team with Cesaro for some reason as a babyface tag team. But obviously we know, um, especially from what Tucker at least uh, said in the interview recently, Vince McMahon coincidentally doesn't see much in tag teams. So maybe Davey can have a run and try to get, I don't know, the European title back instated. Or maybe he'll end up on the UK show and and battle Walter. I like uh, Harry Smith. I think he's extremely talented, and uh, I'm looking forward to him. Do you think he's going to go back to the uh, name Davey Hart Smith, which is just all right? Or or will he be allowed, Chris, to be Harry Smith in the WWE?
0: Well, I mean, they're going to want to change his name regardless, right? Well, maybe. I don't know. You're David
2: Hart
1: Smith. The Davy comes from your dad. The Hart from your lineage. The Smith from your dad.
0: I I got an idea for a tag team, even though we haven't really seen much yet. But what about uh, him and Rick Steiner's son as the Bulldogs? Ooh. Ooh. Dogface Gremlin. Dogface Gremlin Jr. and Davy Boy Smith Jr., basically. This could be fun. Um, I like that. I mean, he's a, he was a great tag team wrestler with Lance Archer, so I'm assuming, like you said, if you put him in a tag team, could be real awesome. Him and uh, Cesaro would be great, too, because Cesaro teamed with Teddy, right? Not Teddy Hart. Uh, who's uh, Natalia's husband?
1: Did I get it right? No, no, and, and that's funny. Both of them tagged with Tyson Kidd. Uh, he, uh, Davy or not Davey, Harry, tagged with uh, Teddy and MLW.
0: Okay, yeah, that's where I was. Okay, that's where I was getting confused. Yeah, but I mean, they could they could go that route, but it seems like they're trying to give Cesaro a singles push. That's kind of yeah. start and stop, but I'm assuming I'm assuming he's not going to the main roster immediately. He'll either be in NXT UK or NXT. And if I was going to just make a fun tag team and wanted to bring in, like I said, if if Steiner's kid's ready, that could be real fun. Bulldogs, Dogface, Gremlin, and and uh, and Mr. Smith. I think that would be real cool wink and nod without it not being directly on the nose and also you're getting two kids that are you know family lineages there in wrestling you got some fun storyline there you could build off of and it it doesn't have to be exactly heart foundation stuff which is what they usually go to but this could be could be really really neat also as tyson kid is he ever going to be able to wrestle again
1: no he's done unfortunately he's he's been not only a producer, but apparently really helping out with uh, the women's division, uh, train it, uh, along with Fifth Finley and NXT. Yeah,
0: I remember that, but I know for a while there, like even on Total Divas, they talked about how he was trying to get healthy to potentially come back, and I I never heard what came of that. So in in a world where Daniel Bryan came back, I didn't, and Edge came back. I just didn't know what the likelihood of that would be.
1: I think his situation... I don't know if they're different locations of their body. I think that Richie, it's in the back, um, and his is obviously in the neck. But if they get one wrong, like Richie steamboat, that's the reason why he never came back. If they got one wrong hit, they would be crippled.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, scary stuff. But, uh, yeah, I was just curious because we hadn't really talked about Tyson Kidd or heard anything about Tyson Kidd outside of him working um, with, like you said, with Fit in NXT. So. Uh, and, and this is partially to blame on Total Divas because they definitely had talked about previously him trying to get back in ring shape and get ready to potentially make a return. So,
1: Yep. Uh, either way, it's going to be interesting. And uh, I would definitely, if you didn't get a chance to watch it, I'm pretty sure it's on their YouTube station. Uh, Harry had an amazing match with Timothy, actually a couple of them, with Timothy Thatcher and MLW, and they didn't go off the ropes once or to the, even to the outside. With any projectile maneuver, it's just straight wrestling. So maybe I think we talked about it on the show. I think I brought it up, but
0: yeah, I, I vaguely remember talking about that. Um, MLW pulled a lot of content off their YouTube, unfortunately. But I'll, I'll try to go check that out. Oh because damn! They, since they got that TV deal, uh, they they started pulling stuff off of YouTube. So I don't know. I don't really know what that means. Are they Have they already started that show? Because I haven't caught any of it on actual TV.
1: No, yeah. uh, I I think it's at the end of this month, but I'm not sure. They've just been putting old episodes on every week, I guess, leading up to it. Because it seems like, Chris, this is going to be like a rebrand for, specifically for Vice. Like same champions, but they're going to be like restarting from scratch. Yeah,
0: and unfortunately, I don't, I can't find the start date of
1: this. But that's going to be interesting. Um, and apparently, um, Hulk Hogan's uh, son's going to be uh, really uh, doing some crazy stuff. As I've seen pictures of Alexander Hammerstone wearing the 90s, uh, you know, red, all red outfit that Hulkster wore uh, when he came back, helped out a defeated Bret Hart by taking out the evil Yokozuna and winning the title and then skipping town. But everyone knows that classic outfit. But, uh, yeah, do you think that we got to worry about the whereabouts in 91 of Hulk Hogan? Because that's when Alexander Hammerstone was, uh, you know, know, uh, conceived. So nine months before that, do you think that he was over by where he lives, uh, I believe, in Arizona? Was he hanging and banging in
0: Arizona, taking his vitamins and impregnating people it's it's possible
1: there's your protein (laughs) vitamin brother or sister
0: i have a feeling that we could probably uh track down where hulk hogan
1: was
0: we call we'll call Cornette, the the wrestling historian and ask him where
1: hogan was in 91. (laughs) hey um whatever We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out but uh awesome pictures i like that little you know, they the, most of the MLW guys have been doing some independence lately. So, their uh, their open weight champion uh, Alexander Hammerstone, who will be taking that title from the great actually uh, Fatu, um, who I assume might be coming as as a heavy for Roman Reigns, but I think that he'll be the first uh, double champion. in MLW is my um, is what I think for Hammerstone. Everyone knows I'm a big fan because I don't shut the fuck up about him on here. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're But you know what? You were you were definitely right about Valter when you were doing this 3 years ago. So maybe this is uh the next Valter.
1: Hopefully, man. I'll 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 build him up. I'll try to give that rub, brother, brother.
0: <laughs> I absolutely love Fatu. Is he did he Maybe we talked about this, but is he officially signed to WWE after this?
1: I think maybe the interactions will have him maybe going over there, but he's definitely MLW. So and he's the champion right now. So I could just see him losing the title to Hammerstone, going away, and then coming back to try to go after that title again after a little bit of a run with his cousins. Yeah, I, I could see that as well. I just wasn't sure if they had,
0: like, actually worked out dates or anything. I hadn't, they can I hadn't call
1: anything. it the uh, Samoan Heart Foundation. <laughs> so he's going to team like, with
2: Harry Smith. <laughs>
1: So, so, (laughs) so, uh, you know, maybe, uh, he'll be the Jim Neidhart for their group. Sure. Um, (laughs) Okay. Anyways, I think that's the news, man. I think that's everything. Um, I'm sure we forgot about something hugely significant, but, uh, we'll just have to get over it. And when I think of it later on, I'll just punch myself in the face like I normally do. But, uh, do you want to preview some pay-per-views this weekend, sir? Sure. Do you want to start there, or do you want to start with the go-home shows? Oh, you want to do the shows first? We can do that.
0: <laughs> well, you want to do impacts and then talk about uh, talk about Slammiversary, I guess, to kick it off?
1: All right, so let's talk about Slam- Slammiversary to give uh, a little bit of setup. Um, pretty good show this last week on Impact, but specifically the matches that are going to be on this pay-per-view for tonight. All of them, very exciting. We're going to see a bunch of people make their way onto this roster, it seems, tonight. So uh, we'll just get to it uh, just just actually in. Um, unfortunately, I don't know if it's due to an injury or of, of, of something, but TJP was taken out of the uh, Ultimate X match um, last minute. So, I mean, they already have like 100 fucking people in that match, so I don't think it's going to be too big. But if it is some type of injury, I hope that uh, TJP gets... Uh, better he's been doing some of the best work in his career after he left wwd in in both impact and mlw and honestly one of the best uh i would say uh as far as a hybrid technical and high-flying wrestler he's been putting on some great matches especially with champion of x division josh alexander uh with their iron man match they had but um yeah so tjp's off the card chris Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, he would have added – he
0: would have been a great addition to that match. We've seen a lot of this already, though, in the past with these Ultimate X matches. So whatever. Hopefully he's okay, and it's not going to be a long-term thing uh, injury-wise. I'm assuming that he's injured.
1: Yeah, they haven't specified, but yeah, I I definitely think so too. And uh, do you think that they – I just thought of this. Do you think that they put an Ultimate X match, which they haven't done in like four years – Specifically on Slammiversary the day before TLC?
0: I don't, don't they always do an Ultimate X match at Slammiversary?
1: I don't know. I don't remember. I thought they said it's been a while since they did it. Yeah, I just,
0: I mean, they usually, Slammiversary is their, isn't it their biggest Paper. per view yeah pay-per-view of the year that's usually when if i remember correctly and, and we're talking about going back to 2005 to whatever i, I seem it seems like they always try to do something like that on Slammer version but yeah it does kind of line up perfectly this year i guess <laughs> with um <laughs> with money in the bank but i mean those matches are completely different yeah, ultimate, I mean, they're just so fucking different and weird uh, in comparison to, you know, what Money in the Bank. Money in the bank's is more of like a traditional ladder match and slam <sighs> For the past bunch of years, it's just a bunch of very, very fast cruiserweight guys going 100 miles an hour with that weird <laughs> ring setup they have. I I don't know. It, it does line up perfectly if you, if you watch all of this. But I, I don't think that they're trying to go after any wwe fans or anything it's probably just a coincidence
1: and uh, i'm an idiot actually gjp was in the is going to be in the tag match so i just uh, figured that out he was a uh, tag team partners with fall we'll get to that in a second let's start off with some of these matches uh we got a uh, grudge match that's been building i think this is the rubber match between them uh oh no, no no this is not a rubber match it's actually a mixed tag team match at least within the rivalry uh but Brian Myers has aligned himself with Tenille Dashwood and is going against Matt Cardona and a person to be announced. But I believe in the interview, he mentioned that that person is going to make the other team look like a hot mess. So I don't know exactly who who could possibly be that person. Um, I really think it's obvious. I think it is going to be Chelsea Green. Uh, I know that she just showed up at Ring of Honor. And is going to be helping with the women's division rebuilding that, which, hey, kudos to her if she wants to, you know, try to build that up over in Ring of Honor. They're giving them their own online show. So, you know, that, that makes sense. But maybe she has something uh, similar to EC3 where she's going to be making this appearance. But, uh, I mean, it has to be Chelsea Green, right? I mean, it's Matt Cardona's girlfriend, Hot Mess, Laurel Van es, uh going against Brian Myers and Telnell Dashwood. This should be an actually a really good match for a mixed tag team match. Maybe Brian yeah. Miles will punch Chelsea in the face, Chris. Maybe. Yeah.
0: Um, do you think she's going to go by Laurel
1: Van Ness, though? I don't know. I'd be scared if I was Matt Cardona and that chick came after me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, that's
0: going to be a lot of fun. I'm actually looking forward to that. I, I like the, um, the buildup on the Goham show, too with Cardona. I thought that was kind of well done. I'm assuming that her contract is going to look a lot like Matt's where she can kind of just work dates wherever. So based per appearance, especially since she's doing this, uh, doing the ring of honor thing, like you were saying.
1: I'm looking forward to the match regardless. Uh, next one, we have a grudge match that's been building up. Eddie Edwards, a great person to bounce off of is going to be going against W Morrissey, the former big Kaz. And um, I think they're going to have a good match. Morrissey, in shape-wise, like his physique, but also wrestling-wise, even though it's been a lot of squash matches, he's looked really good. I think he does have to get this over Edwards um, to keep on building himself undefeated in Impact. But another match I'm looking forward to. If you're going to go against someone and you're in a bigger opponent, I think that Eddie Edwards is a good dance partner, Chris.
0: Yeah, I have to agree with you. And it to me, it seems like all roads kind of lead to Moose. That would be the
1: the match I would, I would expect. I hope so. Yeah. Um, but he's been Two an Two big men monster. slapping meat.
0: Yeah, I've, I've been a huge fan of Morrissey since he came back, and it seems like he's got his head on straight. He's looked really good uh, the past few weeks.
1: Could someone show up possibly at this that might I don't know be friends uh, with someone like a uh, W. Morrissey? Maybe someone real.
0: Ah, uh, We keep wanting it, but I don't know that's going to happen. I did recently hear Billy Ray comment on the fact that Ring of Honor was stupid for
1: not running with that. <laughs> <laughs> not that any of us thought that. Ugh. Jesus. Yeah, I have to agree with Bully. They should have fucking pulled the trigger on that. They already pissed off New Japan at that point. You might as well keep on going with it. Um I would have loved to see Dem boys against uh, Enzo and Cass. That would have been fun. But I love how yeah, Tom just looked at it and was like, ugh, like in disgust, and they just walked off.
0: <laughs> Somehow, them versus Dem boys, I feel like Enzo would end up getting put into like a fucking combine harvester or
1: something. <laughs> How about a locker backstage? Like, J- Jade specifically goes all the way backstage to where the locker rooms is and just fucking puts him in a locker, slams it shut, and goes back to the ring.
0: Well, as as we've seen, Enzo was a small guy in WWE, but if you put him next to someone like Joey Janela, uh, he ain't that small.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's the match we really need, is Joey Janela versus... No, I'm just kidding. Um, But yeah... Maybe he'll come there. Who knows? anniversary. They're, they're promoting a lot. And last year, they had a bunch of people. Obviously, this is right from the first uh, set of people leaving back in April. So we're going to find out. Another big match for the Impact World Tag Team Champions, a four-way match. Violent by Design, which will be uh, Joe Doring and Rhino. Uh, Eric Young, obviously, still injured. And Diener, he might be switched out. It could be him as well. I don't know. But last time it was Joe During and uh, Rhino defending. Going against Rich Swan and Willie Mack. Going against Falabaugh. This is the thing. It was supposed to be TJP and Falabaugh. They had a tag team. They could put another person with Falaba. They could just take out that tag team and do it a three-way. Or it now could be a mystery um, opponent. So that's another thing. Against the champions. Oh, no, no, no. Not the champions. I forgot they lost it, but the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows and Carly Anderson. So to me, God, this is this is one of uh, – I, I feel like the Good Brothers are probably going to win. And I don't know if we did it beforehand, but I, I, Matt Cardona and whoever with them, obviously Chelsea Green, uh, will win. And I definitely think Morrissey's going to beat uh, Eddie Edwards. But um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with that other tag team. But uh, I, I think that that the good brothers could get those titles back in this match, Chris.
0: I mean, I think Willie Mack and Rich Swan might win. Ooh, gonna, I like I'm that. Go with, I'm gonna go with a surprise on that, uh, just because they they need to keep Rich Swan kind of hot after losing and when he's lost his last two pay per view matches. I
2: want to yep. say.
0: So giving him a win here might be might be putting him back on the right track for a little bit and give him something to do. Um, and then the other predictions that you had, I, I agree. I think Morrissey's going over. And if it is Chelsea Green coming in, I don't, you know, I'm assuming they're going to beat Brian uh, Myers and uh, Tanel Dashwood.
1: All right. Uh, glad we we're all in agreement. Let's keep on going. Chris Sabin and Moose have been battling it out for the last couple of months. Moose blamed Chris Sabin, even though I'm pretty sure – had nothing to do with the loss uh, when the two of them Tiag teamed with, I believe, Sammy Callahan a couple weeks ago and just beat the crap out of him. So they have been building this match. Uh, Moose has gotten better better in the ring the last couple months. Uh, Chris Saban, obviously, is Chris Saban, so I expect this to be a damn good match. But I kind of see Moose winning over Chris Saban. Maybe Alex Shelley comes back and helps his friend at the end of it. I don't know.
0: Well, that wouldn't be a very good guy of Alex Shelley to do. I mean cuz Chris Saban is still We're going right. to
1: get we're going to get heel Motor City Machine Guns cuz you know that's what people fucking want.
0: <laughs> I think people just want Motor City Machine Guns to be healthy and have a run. Yeah. still want I still want the damn Young Bucks match for the love of god. Um so yeah, I am going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go I'm going to pick Moose here as well. Only because I feel like they're going to give him some strong victories to Build up to him versus Omega, or like I said, him versus, uh. Him versus Morrissey once they're finished building Morrissey, because I feel like that's the, uh. That's like their big match as far as people that are just specifically signed to impact at the moment.
1: Yeah. All uh, the women's uh, knockout tag team championships. We have uh, decay consisting of havoc and Rosemary, who buried their differences as. Sisters, which is storyline, they're both demons apparently. That uh, their father is Jane Mitchell and their great or their, their grandfather is uh, Kevin Sullivan within the storyline. But, anyways, Fire and Flavor, who have had these titles for a while, lost it temporarily, got the titles back, and have just been kicking ass. I now that they've had it for so long, I'm thinking about it. Maybe Havoc and Rosemary pick this up. Um, I don't know. Maybe they'll go a different uh, direction, but I'm going to go with Decay on this, Chris.
0: Man, I'm going to have to agree with you <laughs> once again. Yes. Um, I think Decay is just. I and I love Jordan Grace, though. I just I, I kind of don't want her in a tag team, if I'm being honest. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I I think this is going to be Decay. Decay's a i've always enjoyed decay but i kind of like this new rendition they got going
1: yeah i like it you know being havoc her obviously um crazy steve but then since they don't have abyss you know they put black taurus in the places the big the big monster guy so um i'm enjoying it as well and i think havoc and uh rosemary are going to beat fire and flavor and get those titles um, all right, so I think the bigger matches I would say uh, first we'll go to the Ultimate X match. Looking forward to it, just being an Ultimate X. I really like those matches. Uh, and we got the champion Josh Alexander of the X division, who is going to be going against Petey Williams, Trey Miguel, Ace Austin, Chris Bay, and Rohit Raju. Now I could see Trey winning this, but I actually I'm going to make a bold prediction. Ace Austin is going to win this title and then cash it in to try to try to get the uh, uh a match uh with um a, a match for the title which you can do with the x division championship so that is my weird prediction chris Ace is gonna win the x division or the ultimate x match get the championship and cash it in to go against i guess kenny omega
0: Oh, yeah. So technically, if he wins, he can cash in against Kenny Omega, right? Didn't, I guess, in in the past. God, why can't Austin Aries did that? And then have both belts?
1: I think that um, uh, the last person, I I could be wrong. I think Eddie Edwards did it not too long ago. And then, yes, Austin Aries also did it recently.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was going to pick Ace Austin anyways, because I feel like he's been in a bunch of these matches and hasn't picked up the title yet
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is true
0: so uh yeah i mean I, I don't know that he's gonna beat kenny omega but that'd be a hell of a match i'd be down to watch that
1: yep he's like one of the younger dudes that they don't have him and osprey it's uh the future man all right let's go to the women's match this one's kind of exciting And I have someone that's that's working with another promotion um, who I think is going to be going against her. But for the Knockouts Championship, Deanna Perazzo, Gail Kim came, confronted her, because she was saying similar stuff that Kenny has said in AEW, and also Roman is saying on uh, SmackDown, she's beating everyone. Like, who the hell can you get to beat her? So Gail Kim, who's in charge of the women's uh, division, the Knockouts division, if you will, um, at first they're making it, look like gail was going to be that person but gail let everyone know no it's not her they have a to be announced person to go against diana Prazo and i don't know if she wins the belt but i kind of feel like this is going to be mickey james who i know is obviously doing stuff with nwa right now with her husband and stuff but another person where i think that if she was like hey i want to work over here with tna but i'm going to do everything for nwa too i think billy would be like fucking go for it you're mickey james so I think it's gonna be Mickey James. I think Deano will win in that scenario, but who knows? Maybe Mickey will get the championship. What do you think, Chris? Or if it's not Mickey James, who do you see showing up at Slamiversary to go against Deanna Perazzo for the knockout uh championship? Oh man.
0: I mean, all signs would point
1: to Mickey James, right? Yeah, because Gail was really making it look like it's a legend that she'll have to deal with, but it wasn't her; it was someone else.
0: Yeah, and Gail specifically said she doesn't want to work anymore.
1: I could see yeah. her still coming.
0: Maybe I could see her coming back to have a match with uh, Mickey James if, if Mickey James ends up winning the title or something. But I, I mean, I would agree with you. I I don't know. Do you want Mickey James to lose her first match back?
1: I don't know.
0: That's the, diana's she held the, they did that video package, she held the title for what, 250 days or something? Yep. So, I don't know, maybe they could, maybe they could fucking drop that. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Um, there's a lot of competition there for Mickey James. I feel like that she could have good matches with a lot of people. I would love to see her and Jordan Grace, for instance. I think that'd be fucking real fun match.
1: Yeah. Uh, but, I.
0: yeah, I, I don't. I'm going to say toss up on this one, Dane. I don't have an answer for you. If it is Mickey James, I kind of would hope they'd put the title on her just because it seems like everywhere she goes, she ends up losing her first match in and then it just kind of kills the mystique of this legend coming back. I kind of hate when companies do that. If you're going to bring someone back, they in theory, you should make them coming back look like a big deal and, and have them get a win. I'm not saying that she should fucking win the title, but that's the situation they're potentially putting her in.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, kind of, since I brought up NWA, it just popped in my head, and I know we have one match, and we'll definitely talk about this, but kind of going back, did you uh, see the interaction with the NWA and Mr. Uncle Dax uh, from FDR uh, on, on Twitter? Dax Harwood going back and forth with them. I saw parts
0: of it, but not the entire thing. I knew that it was there was more to it than what I saw, so if you want to give a brief rundown, that'd probably be great for me and probably a little shit out there too.
1: Sure. Apparently a podcast that, uh, uncle, I'm not going to, that's what his, his handle is. I keep calling that Dax Harwood, um, commented on the mid Atlantic, uh, championship podcast. And they were going over the lineage of the NWA world tag team championships. Now this is not the NWA account. Uh, but they, but Dax said, my God, I love, uh, tag team wrestling. And I love those titles. And then NWA said to that uh, to him, and you're part of a great tag team. We have those championships. Our boss knows your boss. Hmm. And just kind of trailed it off from there and responded was Dak saying, let's fucking go. NWA has a uh, pay-per-view coming up soon. Man, I mean, if I were NWA, this would be a situation where it's another tag team from another company, but I actually would not mind putting it on them. And, uh, kind of, we've, we've talked about this. It makes sense for FTR to have some interaction with the NWA. I want them to get up on there and I want Tully to cut a fucking promo with them on that stage. I think it would be awesome.
0: I would love that, but I would love it even more if they did the tag tournament again. Yes, that would be awesome. Uh, and you get, maybe you get FTR versus them boys or something cool you know something like a, a mixture of brave we're gonna mix brands like um i really want to see ftr versus Dimboys. boys i also want to see the young bucks versus the briscoes yeah uh, which i've seen before but it would be fun to see that in nwa or aw uh, especially now that they've seemed to settle their differences by beating the absolute hell out of each other on the farm or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yep uh, I, I hope they do that tournament again because I think that was one of the most fun things that I remember from that initial NWA run when Corbin uh, Corgan first came back or first started. I should say that I, I really enjoyed all that stuff with Ring of Honor and, and bringing those cats in. Um, it would be fun if they could get some of the the Impact tag teams in there as well. And I didn't bring this up, but Violent by Design is like one of the best damn tag team names I've heard in a very long time.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Nice little – it's its a tag team but also a faction, you know, just Diener, Eric Young, and then the two monsters, Joe Doring, who looks like the second coming of fucking um, uh, Stan Hansen, and Rhino, um, which I just realized. They put out Heath Slater a couple of months ago, so maybe Heath Slater makes his return on this and just fucking causes them the titles.
2: Huh.
0: They could do that. I always forget that he, because Heath Slater's been gone for a while, I forgot that he was on
1: impact. He's about to try to have a match with Jinder Mahal and uh, Drew McIntyre that they Uh, told him was for the title. Three-man band. (laughs) That was three-man
2: band.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but regardless, to wrap that up, I really hope that FDR ends up, I love to see him with those championship belts. I love them to show up and crash NWA power and have Tully, like I said, on that old school stage, you know, talking about those titles and how FTR doesn't just deserve them, but, you know, whatever he wants to fucking say.
0: Um, I, well, if I'm Corgan, I'm not letting them win those fucking titles.
1: But he let, uh, you know, he let uh, Serena Deeb have that woman's title for however long she did. And she's an AEW wrestler.
2: Mm,
0: yeah, but... I. Uh... If I'm looking at what they're doing with
1: uh oh, yeah hopefully that's o- all blown off <laughs> soon. <laughs> Jesus god, I'm so sick of pinnacle versus fucking inner circle.
0: Yeah, I just I mean also if you're looking at like Kenny Omega as well and having all those belts I'm just, and and what what that that might actively be doing for impact. I don't know that I make that. I you know, if you're going to bring them in, you might as well have your fucking team win or do a time limit draw or something. I don't know. Who, who's their champions right now? Is it the, uh, I, I forgot. We just watched that pay-per-view too, not that long ago. And
1: I'm already blanking oh. on it. Let me look this up real quick, because I don't even fucking remember. Tag team champions are, first champions, if you didn't notice, were Terry Gordy and Steve Williams. Uh, oldest, <laughs> oldest tag team to have the titles was the Rock and Roll Express. That was pretty cool uh current champions is aaron Steven and kratos
0: yeah we were surprised by that who what is the name of that damn tag team that that got the squash right before that uh the pay-per-view they kind of remind me a little bit of the road warriors
1: oh odinson and um paro yeah
0: i i mean if you're gonna do ftr wouldn't you want those guys being the champions going into that
1: have a nice little LOD against the uh, the Horsemen tag team, if you will, for it in the finals. Uh, yeah. Not they not don't really have a lot of tag teams. That's another thing. Is that they could use an influx of tag teams. So maybe having those things jump around, you know, just keeps the NWA, I guess, relevant.
2: Yeah,
0: and I did. You know, we talk. We've talked a lot about uh. Okada's title run in the past with the 800 days. I just saw that fucking Magnus uh, has held that damn belt for like a thousand days. Yeah. <laughs> the NWA Boy Championship.
1: Yep. Last person to beat him was Cody, but he immediately got that, that title right back and started another reign. I wonder what his two reigns together is because. He beat Tim Storm fucking couple years ago.
0: Yeah, he's had that damn thing forever, and I think his next opponent is JTG, right? Yep. So I don't. I mean, nothing against JTG, but <laughs> I don't necessarily know he's gonna take the title off of him, um, Nick Aldis. They they got to do something. Like that's one thing. NWA lost a lot of talent during COVID by releasing people from contracts hopefully they're slowly rebuilding that Uh, but they need a they need a main challenger for nick aldis someone that could potentially take that belt off of him
1: i agree with you man and i really think that's another thing it's like i i feel like especially based on billy that he at least wants cody to come over there and have a uh, be an opponent for nick but i don't know who no one there i'm sorry it's that level so it's like he's got to have some people come over but they have to be okay with i guess putting nick aldis over in that scenario because i don't think nick's gonna drop the title to someone outside of the nwa so it's a, it's a little conundrum chris Uh have they brought back ken anderson yet
0: What the hell is no. ken anderson doing that would be the guy i would probably go get for a feud with nick aldis
1: That would be awesome. I love Ken Anderson. I think he's extremely uh, underrated. Um, Let's go over this last match, though, because we're not done with this pay-per-view. We got the big one, the Impact World Championship, no DQ. Kenny Omega, Don Callis in his corner versus Sammy Callahan. Uh, You would think that Sammy has the advantage, but since it's a hardcore match and that's more his style, but this also gives a chance for members of the elite to interfere. Yes, he could probably have some people run out for him that would help him out, but I think Kenny's gonna beat Sammy Callahan. Probably doing something crazy or something dastardly right at the end.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm s i am i am I know Sammy Callahan loves no DQs, but you basically just invited all of the club to beat the shit out of you, so I'm assuming that the Kenny Omega is gonna retain here.
1: All right. I say, uh, yeah, we'll start. We'll start off. Let's uh, let's keep the um, trying to think the WWE stuff together, so then we can go over uh, TLC afterwards. So let's start. I off do with, have
0: uh, before before we move out of this. I just have one thing. Um, do you think Eddie Edwards shows up and makes a save?
1: That w- that would be crazy if Eddie Edwards helps Sammy Callahan at all, based on their past. But he is such a do-gooder that I could see him doing that. And I, if that leads to possibly a match with Kenny Omega, even if it's on Impact, Kenny Omega and uh, Eddie Edwards, I would be down.
0: Yeah, because I, you, we know for a fact Sammy Callahan's going to get jumped. So it's going to be who? Do they have anyone come out to try to save him? And I mean, it might as well be, you know, Eddie.
1: It would be awesome, man. God, wouldn't it have been great if if uh, Davey didn't go to MLW and Davey and Eddie come out as the American Wolves again, Impact, and help out Sammy Callahan? Like, they're getting their asses kicking off, and Davey Richards runs to the fucking ring. Crowd would go, Banana, I think.
0: Um, I don't know why I'm sleeping on his name right now. Yeah. He's been teaming with Penta against the Young Bucks. Why the hell can I not remember his name? I'm having a massive brain fart. Pack. Uh, not Pac. Um,
1: oh, Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston,
0: yeah. I could also see them doing something like
1: that. To Kingston or that. Moxley could definitely try to fuck with Omega during this because they're friends with Callahan. They've had a lot of history together, and they hate Kenny Omega. So that is an idea for sure.
0: Yeah, it just depends on if they want more AEW people over in Impact, but Eddie Kingston would make a lot of sense. Um, I mean, him and Penta showing up would make a lot of sense since Penta has history and Impact as well.
1: What if the Bucks get involved and the Motor City machine guns run out and fuck them over?
0: Well, don't make me blow a load.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd say something on the lines of that. Didn't think you were going to go for the semen concept.
0: Uh, I fucking love (laughs) Motor City Machine Guns. I'm a huge mark, as everyone knows.
1: Oh, you know what's uh, something I forgot? Chris, uh, actually a pretty big news item. We'll go over it real quickly and speculate. Dave Metzler just last week said that uh, when AEW comes to Arthur Ashe Stadium, uh, which they're trying to pack out, but that's a big show in New York City coming up, That there's going to be a major, no, what what do you say? A huge um, person coming to that. So a huge new addition to the roster is what he's saying. So everyone's speculating. Um, Now, if you literally think huge, maybe he's referring to Braun Strowman, but I don't think Dave would be that coy about it. So that is an idea. This is in a couple weeks. Um, But everyone's saying, if you take out, there's no fucking way in hell. It's going to be The Rock, it's going to be John Cena, it's going to be Brock Lesnar. I don't see it happening. Brock's maybe the only person I could see, but I don't think so. So that kind of leaves on the table, speculated there's been three people. Could it be Ric Flair, who leaves the WWE, which I don't think he would because he's kind of married into them at this point. Um, Charlotte's there, but who knows? Could it be Kazuchika Okada showing up at some point? Or could Daniel Bryan be making his appearance? Or could it be someone else? What do you think, Chris? Well,
0: it won't be Kazuchika Okada because New Japan is under a state of emergency again for a
1: COVID pandemic. That's a good point. And I they probably also... would not allow him to come over here. Uh,
0: yeah, they just shut down ticket sales for Wrestle Kingdom because they Damn. don't know where that's going to be. So the pre-cells that were made, or the cells that were made are still valid, but the rest of the cells have been paused, from what I read in The Observer earlier this week. Um,
1: so I mean, it's Daniel Bryan.
2: Oof.
1: It's not going to be Punk, is it? <laughs> I think everyone's like, is it CM Punk? Is punk gone, um, I don't think so. I mean... It-
0: it's probably 90% Daniel Bryan with a 10% chance that they gave Brock Lesnar a fuck ton of money.
1: God, that would be such
0: a fucking coup. Um, but I I'm leaning towards, it's going to
1: be Daniel Bryan. There you go, man. I I kind of tend to agree with you. I think DB is going to be the, or at that point it will be BD. Can we get used to saying that again? (laughs) The American Dragon himself, Brian Danielson.
0: I guess we'll just call him the American Dragon all the time, so don't fuck his name up like we do with everybody else that flips companies.
1: We've got to make sure to not put him in a match with the Young Bucks, though, because we don't want the Young Bucks getting mad about him hitting too hard.
0: Yeah, the Daniel Bryan, the stiffest worker of all time. That's what I've, <laughs> that's what I've heard.
1: <laughs> all right. Uh, a couple raw highlights so we can get rid of this fucking show. Um, Jesus Christ. So, the biggest thing, going into what's going on, we have Xavier Woods beating Bobby Lashley through some trickery with the uh, world's most dangerous move, the roll-up. Uh, this would promote Bobby f- breaking down and not only yelling at MVP, but him destroying his the, the whole set at the end of it. But really, if you guys want to see some good stuff, Morris and Ricochet had another incredible match. Ricochet went over this time and uh who knew like we said and then we had omos beating eric and for some reason ivar beating aj so that's just building up towards that and still no clue if charlotte is a heel or if rhea ripley is a heel still that 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 uh confusing concept but um after you know we're gonna find out but if if bobby lashley which maybe kofi wins But even if Kofi wins, should Xavier be like, hey, I kind of rolled up the champion, you know, Chris?
0: So this – I don't know if we – did we talk about this last week with my prediction of what they might be doing with Bobby here?
1: Was your idea Bobby drops it to Kofi and Xavier goes after Kofi?
0: Well, my idea was that that Bobby drops the title because –
1: uh, Drew McIntyre
0: wins money in the bank and needs him to drop the title because he can't challenge yeah. Lashley for the title because they gave that stip unless they unless they just forget about it so I mean I kind of feel like Drew McIntyre fucks over Bobby Lashley um, and then you get McIntyre versus Lashley and then Lesnar comes at SummerSlam and then you set up a three-way and, and go from there um, and then Kofi can just
1: go against whoever in the meantime hmm Okay, I like that. But
2: um, regardless,
1: oh, Xavier Woods has reason to claim that he should get a title shot.
0: He does, and that could be the in between feud with uh, Kofi until um, SummerSlam. Yeah, until SummerSlam or whenever McIntyre tries to cash in. Because um, you could have, you know, you could do the Kofi Xavier thing, um, and then have have them have a really good match, but then have McIntyre cash in on them.
1: If, man if if you if they're not if they do that and they're not expecting drew McIntyre to get bull, booed out of the building interrupting a fucking Kofi Xavier championship match that would whew, talk about heat.
0: but is there anything wrong with him getting booed out of the building and being a no top I girl? mean
1: drew can turn and become a great heel it's just they they've been promoting him so much as a babyface. yeah, but like
0: Lesnar's coming back and he's going to get cheered over McIntyre or Lashley. That's a good point. So if, if, your main, if your WrestleMania match is going to be McIntyre versus fucking Lesnar at Mania, then I have no problem with McIntyre showing up as a heel. I think McIntyre is a better heel than a babyface, personally. Um, but that, that would be my, this is a bold prediction, obviously, but uh, that's my prediction for the, the very near future.
1: All right, well, I completely get it. Uh, Let's move over to the next night. We had NXT. We'll go over this show pretty quickly because I think this was kind of like a smaller show. Um, The ending was the biggest thing, basically. This is coming off their pay-per-view or their semi-pay-per-view from the week before with the Great American Bash. Uh, First match, awesome match show put up with. Kind of wondering what the statement was with the ending, though, but we started off with Ember Moon going against Dakota Kai. Ember decided to stay back in NXT. Shotzi went over and is now with Knox on SmackDown as a tag team. They had a great match, and Dakota Kai definitively won with the uh, go or go to kick or whatever the hell she calls it. Um, but yeah, I didn't expect that happening, Chris. Uh, I kind of want Ember to get a push for the championship personally, but I guess it's not too bad that uh, Dakota Kai you know, lost or, or won against her.
0: I mean, it's fucking dumb, but whatever. <laughs> like, I don't see them doing anything with Dakota Kai. And it, you know, they strip Ember Moon of her tag partner, and then she's been beaten clean, like, I want to say three out of her last four matches, where she was formerly one of the biggest female superstars and someone that was considered to be... Just groomed for the main event, for the main roster, and now she's uh, since that injury they they brought her back kind of hot, and then now she's just in nowhere land. And to me, I think that she's a much better wrestler performer overall talent than Dakota Kai. Not to be a dick, but um, whatever. I mean, this I is agree. the route they went. This is the route they went, and uh, I don't know what the hell they're doing with Ember Moon. I guess maybe trying to find her another tag partner since Shazzy kind of left out of nowhere <laughs> without them breaking up.
1: I'm not sure, but also what I'm not sure about is what happened directly after this because Xia came and got in uh, Gonzalez's face. So should we promote uh, the great work she did beforehand by kicking the the head off of Mercedes Martinez by giving her a a title run uh, against their champion, who I definitely don't want to see get hurt. And no offense to Lee, but her track record's not good. The fuck is Zaylee going against or getting built against Raquel Gonzalez for, for the title?
0: Well, I mean, because they shoved EO into a tag team, so I guess it's got to be Zaya. Um So with, with Lee if she, if she stiffs Raquel that way, do you think, um, or not? Yeah, if she if she if she hits Raquel that way, do you think she's going to get a fucking receipt finally?
1: Probably.
0: <laughs> I think it would be about time. Uh, to be fair, but yeah, I mean, I they, I don't know. They must see a lot in Ziya. They have this thing where they really want a strong Asian champion in NXT
1: at all times, seemingly for long periods of time. It's uh, it's interesting. Um, so, how do you like that? They're going to have great matches, but Bobby Fish is becoming the first opponent it seems for the diamond mine specifically leading up with him and Roderick Strom. but we have obviously uh uh Tyler Rust, and uh he calls out and uh calls out a challenge for Bobby uh I Bobby would end up beating him or did he actually win let me, let me find out yeah yeah no no Tyler Rust ended up winning because of some bullshit that's right uh, that's I, I don't know why Bobby Fish lost that match. Uh, you would think that they're trying to build, and it seems like they still are, with Strong against Fish, which should be a damn good match, but how are they succeeding with the diamond mine? Because my biggest thing is, you have a great manager like Stokely Hathaway. Why the fuck has he not been really cutting promos at all? Like, at all.
0: I mean, what the hell does the diamond mind even mean? What the hell does that tag team name mean?
1: Uh, misinformation, because all of us jumped to Tessa Blanchard at first when we saw that. <laughs>
0: well, it's like, well, with the, the diamond mind, like, none of these cats are rich or play rich characters, right? Yep. I So, I one, I hate the fucking name. This is the opposite of Violent by Design, which is an awesome faction name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, whatever, I mean, they beat they obviously don't see anything in Bobby Fish outside of being a tag team guy so I I don't know where the hell they're going with this I actually I, I don't know that I even care I did like the Tajiri buzzsaw kick at the end of this match though <laughs> that Tyler Rust hit, it's been a while since I saw that
1: yep, well, I, I would agree with you all right, what's next? So, carrying Cross, uh, you know, doing some stuff in the back. Uh, Smojo shows up in his ref gear, reminding Cross of a few basic rules for tonight's main event. Uh, Joe asks Cross if he understands, and Cross keeps punching the bag. Joe doesn't like being ignored. He strikes the bag to get Cross's attention, uh, and he's acknowledged the fact uh, that he understands him. Joe walks off, Cross is mad, and you do the same thing, essentially, to Johnny Gargano later on, except for, obviously, it was a a little bit more goofy um, involving the rest of the way. But I really like the setup. Like Normally, you do this at the beginning of the match, but it was kind of like a cool sports element for Samoa Joe to talk specifically to both of them. And as we know, at the end of this match... It's getting pretty tense between Joe and uh, the champion.
0: Yeah, I actually like this segment with Carrying Cross, where he's, uh, you know, just basically practicing kickboxing and punching this heavy bag, and Joe's, like you said, explaining the rules, and he's not paying any attention, so Samoa Joe just kicks the shit out of the bag. <laughs> uh, and then Cross kind of looks at it, and Joe's like. Uh, yes, yeah, I'll take that as a yes, and then just walks away, because it just puts Samoa Joe over as a badass, but uh, the only thing I will say about this is there there's brawls in this, where Joe is supposed to be the enforcer, and he's obviously focused on being the special guest referee, so he's really bad at his character's job um, <laughs> the rest of the night, uh, but yes, I loved both of those segments, like you said, the wave was a little bit goofy, but I like the carry-and-crawl stuff, and, and, and how do you feel about the fans not really getting behind Karrion Cross? Do you think them splitting, I don't want to say split because they haven't really split, but splitting him from his manager has hurt him? Because I think he's been great, but I know a lot of people have not been huge fans of this title run.
1: Yeah, um, I don't think the fans are behind him. I think they maybe since they're the NXT fans. NXT fans are kind of finicky, like an AEW set of fans. Uh, maybe they consider him a main roster guy because it looks like he's bred for that specifically. I, I don't like the fact that they've toned down Scarlett. I think that her being a part of the whole entire thing makes Karrion Crosses mystique. Uh, but I think Karrion Cross is good on the mic, and the fact that a lot of people want him to shut the hell up, I don't think that works either. He's not the Undertaker, guys. Like I've said a lot of times, he kind of reminds me more of like a, a Sid Vicious um you know, someone that's articulate but monstrous and scary and has got great facial expressions and you don't know if he's unhinged or not. Uh, he can come off extremely intelligent sometimes and sometimes he can come off fucking crazy. And I kind of like that aspect, but maybe the fans feel like he's he's a main roster guy. He's just here for, for a minute. He's not worthy of the NXT championship because <laughs> they love Johnny Gargano and he's supposed to be the heel.
0: Well, this is what's baffling to me, is that the, the entire idea is to stay at NXT for a little while and then elevate yourself to WrestleMania. <laughs> so that mindset's kind of just baffling to me. But, um, yeah, I'm just surprised that people have already turned on Karrion Kross. Uh, I We'll get into the match later, but it seems like we kind of know where they're going.
1: Yeah, I would say so. So we had uh, Miss Gigi Dolan, former Priscilla Kelly. Uh, I didn't say that she could beat her. I don't know what the hell accent or character she's going for, but they had an excellent match. Sarai would win. Uh, Saray's definitely one of their next uh, prospects, but even though Gigi Dolan got the loss, I think that she's going to do a lot of great stuff over in NXT as well. Especially with a lot of those call-ups, a lot of those other wrestlers like Sarai, like Gigi Dolan, will be taking that place. But a pretty good match between the two of them. Sarai won. They're definitely big up on Sarai. I think they're. She's up there just like. Um, oh, why am I why am I blinking on her name? They're team champion along with E.O.
2: Well, Man, now I
0: I, now. I'm blanked. Damn it. <laughs> uh, we were just talking about how big of a push she was getting last week too and
1: uh it damn. seems like her it seems like um uh sarai and also seems like uh taya valkyrie they're grooming as like the next three big people from this generation zoe stark yes
0: god it took me forever to think of her name i apologize but yeah her, the, zoe stark seems like that she's groomed for a huge bush after this tag team stuff is over
1: um, I love the, uh, you know, with this new uh, tournament, uh, the Breakthrough Tournament, which I really have, I liked last year's, and we got a bunch of stars out of that, including, you know, shit, uh, Damian Priest, you know, we had Dexter Loomis come out of that group, uh, Shane Strickland, now known as, um, oh man, I, what what's Shane's name now? It only happens because they have to change it every fucking, uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott. Um, Bronson Reed all of them came from this tournament so now they're doing these packages that are definitely Jeremy Borash produced they have one for Duke Hudson and he would have a match uh, later on the night and then we had a match a really good match Chris with Dexter Loomis and Santos Escobar with Santos getting the better of it but it looks like they're building based on what happened afterwards it seems like it's going to be hit row going against Legado del Fantasma so I guess because they're getting over at the audience, Hit is going to be positioned as a babyface out of nowhere. Not really 100% sure. But I know the peeps, if you will, Christian told me actually, uh, really like Hit Row.
0: Yeah, this is one of those situations where you have too many damn heels. <laughs> Not enough babyfaces, but yeah, I would assume that Hit Row is going to... I mean, they're being... Are they going to be... Are they turning babyface? That would be my assumption here.
1: Yeah, that's what I think. It just seems like they're over with the audience, so I, my only, um,
0: My favorite spot in the match was Escobar hitting the uh, the triple suplex, the Eddie Guerrero, uh, three amigos suplexes. I thought that was fun. Um, but in Loomis, you know, he counters out the third one. I thought that was a cool spot. There was some good stuff here. This is one of – which is crazy because Dexter Loomis has been in a ton of matches, but was this one of his best matches?
1: absolutely did you like the ending with indy hartwell saving him and uh <laughs> picking him up and then cancel was like no 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 and look like she almost injured indy hartwell in the process for reals by like fucking just smashing her uh pretty <laughs> hilarious i thought it was pretty funny that phoenix huh. wants that so bad and she gave good advice i think to indy you know go and take take the man you know what i'm saying like do this yourself. Like, quit uh, wanting him just to come to you. Take initiative, and she did. And then she got kicked in the fucking head. It looked like by canvas <laughs> or at least pushed.
0: Uh, yeah, that was. It was kind of funny. I am a little over this, and I, I don't know where they're. Are they going to do a, like a wedding angle? Is that what we're building to?
1: Does anyone want to see Dexter Loomis get really dragged down? That you know, like, isn't he supposed to be scary?
0: You know what? I'm completely fine if he gets married and changes his character because that's the one thing that doesn't work about this guy to me is the Loomis artist character. I think if he was just able to shed that and just...
1: Should he continue being a mute though and being kind of weird?
0: No. I don't think so. I, I don't <laughs> think it's working for him. <laughs> like, to me, like I, I hate the Dexter Loomis character. I've never really been, as we talked about, I haven't been... A huge fan of it. And he's obviously a, a, a better wrestler than they let him be because he's kind of stuck in that character. I think this match kind of showed what he can do a little more in the ring than some of his other matches. So I, I, there's stuff about this I like and stuff about it I hate because it just depends on what they're going to do with his character once they. Like, what is the end of the storyline? Once him and Indy Hartwell eventually get together, which is, I'm he assuming, becomes-
1: going to be. He's got to become part of the way and he's got to wear like sweater vests and shit in the background and completely freak the fuck out. Austin Theory, who's still like in love with them and has a uh, whatever the hell from him.
0: PTSD.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Austin. Maybe Austin Theory will be the first guy they send to
1: MLW. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can have him help him out a little bit.
0: But uh, I was just thinking about this when we were talking about big guys that might show up at the... Um, at that New York event. <laughs> what if it's mm-hmm. just Tyler? What if it's just Tyler Breeze?
1: <laughs> yeah, we can't do that again, guys. I mean, come on. Let's not like be like, "And it's Buddy Murphy." What?
0: Then we can get Omega versus this clone, Buddy Murphy.
1: <laughs> he wants to have a match with them. They've already talked online very uh, back and forth in a loving manner on Twitter. Well, because Kenny Omega is a huge
0: Street Fighter fan, so he's just waiting for the mirror match. That's what it is. They do all the same spots. No here.
1: shit. No shit, man. All right. Well, let, let's chunk this up into one. How did you like the uh, stuff with L.A. Knight and Cameron Grimes? Because I still think it's pretty fucking funny. Um, I love that Cameron Grimes just decided since he is rich, even if he has to do stipulation, he's just going to pay a bunch of fucking kids to do it. <laughs> because he had the task of uh cutting Eli's uh huge lawn. I wonder if they're at Vince's house filming this or or maybe maybe over at Triple H's but uh yeah, I I I dug this is still pretty funny to me just going over all the segments themselves. We're going to get at the uh, SummerSlam takeover, another match between them and I think that's the one that not only will Cameron get his uh his freedom back, but he'll also grab that belt from uh mr uh, la knight but uh wh- what did you think of these sub- segments because i was at least tickled by uh, mr cameron grimes once again
0: honestly i really love it and the reason i love it is because cameron grimes doesn't give a shit that he's a butler like he's like saying things like i enjoy cutting grass and like clearly doesn't care at all like there's nothing that would make him upset they kind of went the opposite way of what they did with chucky e. t and um aw where he like it doesn't matter to him at all which is gonna make la knight so frustrated that he's gonna challenge him to a match which is kind of brilliant like that's a good way to get that rematch i think so i i really enjoyed this and uh borash is, as always did a great job and alvarez talking about this shit on his podcast was fucking hilarious where he's like you know you give borash a drone and some water <laughs> Cameron Grimes it's impossible to fuck up which I kind of have to agree with this was a to me this was the most entertaining thing on the show
2: yeah
1: I definitely have to agree with you I, I just feel like at least a lot of times NXT when it comes to humor whether it be some of the situations with the way or now the stuff with uh, Cameron Grimes LA Night, I usually don't dislike it as much as I do when they try it on the uh, main roster with Ron Smackdown Or even sometimes on AEW.
0: well i think the problem with it on raw is they try to do it with people that aren't funny um or don't have like a natural charisma (laughs) (laughs) whereas like cameron grimes is funny johnny gargano is goofy and can be funny um let's just say that they're better than some of the people they try to have do those comedy spots but a good example of it working on the main roster is fucking R Truth, right? He's been doing it forever. I think, you know, you just got to give the right guy the right spot. Or RK Bro. Or, or, or yeah, Matt Riddle and RK Bro. Um, or The New Day for years. They were fucking hilarious. So it just, I mean, I guess it just depends. But like putting Natalia in, in that role is not <laughs> going to work out. You know what I mean? Like certain people it's not going to work out with. Yeah. Um, and they also just try to do way too much of it sometimes on specifically on raw smackdown is just smackdown is so packed with what they're like with what they're trying to get in two hours it's it's funny it's like the opposite of raw it's like they have too much shit, and raw has <laughs> too little shit.
1: yeah uh, oh, dude it's weird <laughs> god i completely agree with that All right, Uh, Wade Barrett talked to Kyle O'Reilly, who basically said that this whole thing is not done, so he's calling for a third match. I don't have any ambition, man, to watch another. I I think they put on great matches, but maybe it's like Gargano, but even to an extent less. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm over Adam Cole Gargano matches. I want Adam Cole gunning for the title, which seems like what he's doing. Um, I, do you have a lot of care in a Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole match again, especially built for a pay-per-view? I don't want to see that take over. I don't.
0: Well, yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, my assumption is that they're going to have, I'm assuming Adam Cole is going to be back in the title picture as soon as Karrion Cross drops it. Um, yeah. regar- regardless of who he drops it to. Which I, I thought, seriously, it was going to be Finn Balor probably coming back to challenge for it. But it seems like more like they're setting up with Samoa Joe, especially based on what we saw on SmackDown.
1: Um, well, who is who has Joe been messing with uh, pretty badly besides Karrion Cross, Adam Cole? So if Samoa Joe—and I think that would be a good person if they're going to do it—takes the title off of Karrion Cross, comes back in the ring, carrying Cross goes to the main roster— I could definitely see Adam Cole being like, hey, Joe, I want your fucking ass. You want to choke me me out from behind? Why don't you fucking do it to my face? And then Samoa Joe just chokes him out again. Yeah, I mean, if Joe's
0: Joe's cleared, that seems to be the storyline that they're going with, Um, which just means that they need Adam Cole to do something in the meantime, so Kyle O'Reilly, I guess, makes the most sense. Though I would love for Kyle O'Reilly to just kind of move along, maybe have some matches against Kashida or some shit. Um, I don't know. It feels like you could find something else for Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly to do, but I guess that's where they're going with it.
1: All right. So like I said, we have packages for both these guys, but we have the NXT breakout tournament round one, Duke Hudson, obviously the heel, big fucking dude uh, going against uh, Eichmann Giro, who he was trained by, you know, two guys. that like to spray stuff in people's faces. <laughs> Tajiri and also the great Muda. Um, but his wacky thing about him is he keeps his colorful jacket on while he's fighting. Um and I think a lot of people thought that uh he would have won within this match, but uh upset Hudson won, and people were kind of aggravated that Duke Hudson won. I think it's because they want to try to put um uh Eekman in the roster and just get him in some normal matches is what i'm assuming. So Hudson will advance and he's a pretty dominating uh presence. Uh what do you think about this first uh match and both opponents? Were you surprised that they took out Ekman this close into the the tournament? Um
0: well, i'm assuming that Duke Hudson's going to have a long run towards the end of this tournament in general. So I'm not completely surprised. I probably wouldn't have put him over Ikiman Nero first because I feel like uh he's my new favorite thing. <laughs>
2: <on> <laughs> he's got like hell of a teachers, show.
1: man.
0: Hell of teachers. He's great in the ring and the uh colorful jacket and some of the spots he hits is awesome. I loved when he hit the tarantula. Me too. Do you know that we hit? we've had two uh Tajiri moments <laughs> on the show. We got the buzzsaw kick earlier and then we got yep. the tarantula. <laughs> here i liked the um the kind of the end of the match where he reverses out of the razor's edge which i i hope to god that is duke's finisher um yeah but he gets that um Aussie moonsault right after the war uh right right after and then he gets hit with the uh, winds of change which is way lamer he should just do the fucking razor's edge and call it the razor's edge i'd be way more into that but you know what i like the duke hudson guy i thought he looked good in the ring need to see a little bit more out of him but uh did it have to come at the expense of my boy euro who is uh <laughs> who i've talked about on the show when he was in that tag match i'm like man this guy's got some natural charisma he's good in the ring they could do so much with him and he loses in the breakout tournament I'm like, so I, I was sad <laughs> I, w- I was sad about that but uh duke hudson he looks good too so we just uh he obviously just doesn't have to me he doesn't have as much of a natural charisma You know, so it's going to take some building. We're just going to have to see more uh, more out of him. But I, I, hey, I enjoyed the fuck out of this match. So there's that.
1: All right. So we had Mackenzie Mitchell talking to Pete Dunn and Lorcan, and they're just done talking a bunch of shit. And then they're attacked by uh, um, Tommaso Ciampa and uh, Timothy Thatcher, who just start beating the shit out of them. And they're all brawling everywhere. So. I mean, regardless, even if this is just a match for next week, I want to see Pete Dunne and Orny Lorkin versus fucking Tommaso Ciampa and uh, Timothy Thatcher. That should be a really great technical match and extremely hard hitting since all of them are a little bit stiff skis when it comes to their hits. So, uh, hey, whatever, man. If this is next week and just just one match, I'm down for it, Chris. Yeah, I have to agree
0: with you. Um, Good shit all around. I'm excited for it as well. Definitely down for it.
1: So the next match, it, the match was good, but it wasn't so much a match itself. Uh, the Robert Stone Strom Brand, Aaliyah, and Jesse when went against Caden Carter and Casey Canizaro, who looked like a great tag team. Uh, and actually, Casey and Caden would win the match, and this would prompt to Aaliyah's breakdown and the biggest pop she's probably gotten of her career when uh, Kameo was messed up and on the outside. Robert tried to calm her down and she just beat the shit out of him and got a huge pop from the audience. Apparently they're bringing Liliya up. So that was her exit from NXT and she'll be on Ron Smackdown, uh, probably suffering the same fate that she did in NXT for the last couple of years. But it's good regardless for Liliya since she's been around in, in NXT for a very long time, probably one of their, the, the older veterans uh, in there um, technically. And then we would have Robert Stone even come uh, less to grips of his groups uh, because lately Ty Valkyrie seems to be trying to grab his prospects and form a faction, so got uh, Jessica Maya's attention. And poor Robert Stone. Chris, what is the future of Robert Stone?
0: Probably fucking released.
1: Um, (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) It sucks because... If they let him, he could be a great manager. Um, instead, he's this. Yeah,
0: he's been really fun when they give him a chance to be on the show. I mean, he like him getting ran over by Shotzi's tank, for instance. That shit was pretty great. Uh, I don't know uh, if Samoa Joe ends up going for the title, and William Regal finally gets fed up and does quit. Could you see like Robert Stone being the GM of NXT?
1: That's not what I thought you were going to go with. That would actually be kind of interesting, or at least like taking Joe's spot and being more of like the official, while William Regal is more behind the scenes. Um, but I thought you were going to say Robert Stone uh, goes and asks Mo Joe if he can uh, be his manager. <laughs> I don't know if that will work out. Oh, no, no.
0: I mean, it would work out for the Lulls when Joe jokes about, but But um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe if. I could see Robert Stone being a GM figure if William Regal was kind of done doing the on-screen stuff for a little bit. They could always bring him back later, but you you know you could have, for the first time in NXT history, you could kind of have like a heel, uh, or e- either a heel or a comedic kind of GM to set up some weird fucking matches, which might be actually might actually be good. I don't know, but uh, that's just. That's just assuming that Joe is going to go after the title, which means he's no longer defending William Regal, which the entire idea is to make William Regal's job less stressful. But it would be hilarious to see um, (laughs) Robert Stone in a GM role. It kind of would remind me of like Dixie Carter and um, Spud, Rockstar Spud, when they were (laughs) GMs in Impact. Kind of that goofiness might be something fun. But other than that, like I don't know what you – i mean you could have the guy fucking wrestle because he's a good he's a good wrestler
2: yeah
1: (laughs) would that be weird or what
0: (laughs) (laughs) i mean other than that like i said he he gets released and then probably shows back on impact (laughs)
1: like i don't know yeah i agree all right well Last two big things, we had Adam Cole come to the ring with his bizarro theme music that sounds like the Undisputed Era music, but it's not, and I'm not going to give up on that. Um, Cole takes the mic and says it feels good to say he told you so, told the world he's, he's better than Kyle O'Reilly, and he proved it at great American bash. He also proved he's the greatest NXT superstar in the world, and Kyle's win at TakeOver Last Stand was obviously a fluke. Cole goes on about how pathetic Kyle's earlier interview was. Cole says, Kyle should highly reconsider uh, wanting that rematch because they know Cole will embarrass him again. Cole is tired of talking about O'Reilly. He wants to talk about Samoa Joe. He mocks Joe and brings up how Joe put him in the Kohina clutch, then did nothing while O'Reilly tacked him. Uh, Cole says, and I mean, honestly, Chris, Adam Cole does have a reason to be pissed off with Samoa Joe. He's choked him out twice, even though he technically touched Samoa Joe. And then when, uh, you know, called for this the two of them to be civil before the fight. A fight breaks out and then you know Kyle O'Reilly puts him in his hold and Samoa Joe doesn't even stop it. So obviously it seems like Samoa Joe has an issue with Adam Cole. Is that is that what he's going for in all this?
0: I mean Joe if they're building off the history, Joe doesn't necessarily he's not necessarily the biggest fan of Adam Cole, right? So, yeah, I mean, sure. He definitely seems- has focused in on, he has been picking on the smaller guy and not necessarily going after and Cross as much.
1: But you know who would come out, and I don't care to be a part of a feud with Adam Cole? The former North American champion, who we all thought since he was rumored to be making his way up, maybe they paused it uh whatchamacallit uh oh man my shit jumped all the way to the top um bronson reed came out also samoa joe came out and we had a little stare down with bronson reed and samoa joe which was cool um you know two polynesian based wrestlers around the same size but really confused about this chris uh we're gonna have bronson reed against adam cole bronson reed isn't on his way to the main roster He's happy-go-lucky, even though he lost the fucking championship. And also, last, do we really want a Smoa Joe bronson rematch, match? Or was that just like, a, like what, what What do you think about all this?
0: Bronson-Reed's just feel filler for what we kind of already predicted with where they're going with Joe. He's just here.
1: He's in the meantime. No, I kind of agree with you on that.
0: I mean, unfortunate for bronson reed what was weird about this to me is i didn't realize that he's like the same height as fucking adam cole (laughs) did you notice that yep um that maybe maybe that's what it is is that vince realized that he's not as big as they try to book him as uh but yeah i don't don't know interesting stuff but i you know He's just kind of filler, I guess. They got to give Adam Cole shit to do until they get through with whatever the hell they're doing with Karrion Cross, which I'm assuming is going to the main roster around SummerSlam.
1: Yep. Yeah. All right, so the main event: Gargano going against Karrion Cross for the NXT Championship. Pretty damn good match, I thought. It was pretty obvious that Carrying Cross was going to win this. Smojo was the referee; he definitely got involved, but. It was warranted but it definitely seemed to be against uh carrying cross or at least that's what similar to adam cole that's what carrying cross is building up in his mind um and he would end up winning he ended up getting the uh doomsday saito and then uh put the uh forearm to the back of his head uh for to get the the win and that, that does look vicious. Him and Will Ospreay somehow make that look like it's a legitimate finisher. It's just an elbow right to the back of the head. But after the match, Joe raised, uh, got the NXT title, raised Karen Cross's hand. They started talking shit to each other. Joe went away from him and just got berated by Cross. Um, and uh, yeah, chokes him out basically and screaming at him. And. You know, even Scarlett at one point was trying to pull him off of him and then raised his hand, and that's what we went off the air with, is Carrying Cross attacking Samoa Joe. I think Samoa Joe is going to not be too uh, okay with uh, William Regal's, uh, you know, perspective of him not being able to get in a match with someone after this. I, I just think that Joe is going to start attacking Carrying Cross, and we're going to have a lot of brawling next week is what I'm assuming, Chris. But good match. It's kind of obvious that Karrion Cross was going over, but I did not expect them to pull a trigger on Samoa Joe going against Karrion Cross this quickly, but it looks like they are. And if, the, if they don't have Joe cleared and this was all just bullshit, shame on you, NXT, WWE, because don't give me something and then be like, just kidding. I don't want that. This has to lead to something.
0: Well, considering Joe is only under contract to be an enforcer, unsanctioned match between him and yeah him and carrying cross would be my guess which means that joe could completely demolish carrying cross and then he could show up on the main roster afterwards i guess if you want to go that route um but yeah i mean i i mean we, we've talked about it already I, I i feel like the setup is joe gets the title and then he feuds with adam cole adam cole is seeming seemingly always forever going to be stuck on <laughs> NXT, which may be for his benefit, because who the hell knows what would happen if they put him on the main roster. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's the the match itself. I thought was pretty good. Joe's interaction with Cross was good. I do have a question for you. How do you feel about all these big guys having like chokeout moves or submission moves?
1: I mean, it kind of makes sense though if you think about it. I, I
0: guess, but you got Reigns is already doing one. Lashley is doing. The four uh, essentially. Uh, I,
1: I think that you're right about someone needs to... Uh, if they're gonna do a submission and they're a big dude, you know, resurrect the total package Lex Luger's, you know, fucking uh, move. The torture rack? Yeah. Bring back the torture rack.
0: Fucking do you know how awesome it would be if if the Brock party shows up and just starts putting
1: people in the rack? Oh... Uh. That would be a great person. <laughs> Throw that in his arsenal, a torture act, are you kidding me?
0: Dude, he could do the torture act, then flip it into the F five. It'd be fucking lit.
1: I'm completely I'm completely down with that. That would be uh, fucking awesome.
0: But there's just so many people with uh like choke out submissions right now on the roster that I wish they kinda would not have Karrion Cross doing that.
1: Which I guess yeah, is even- a
0: sleeper hold, but whatever
1: no i i agree that's a good point but regardless i'm looking forward to whatever happens next week this definitely hyped me up to find out what samoa joe is going to say based on this and how angry we're going to have samoa joe uh show up this tuesday
0: yeah and it, maybe this is actually time for them to let joe cut the fucking promo
1: right Oh, yeah, I want the uh, the Popeye look on his face where one eye's way bigger than the other <laughs> that Samoa Joe does when he's really fucking pissed off. And
0: these fans, they better be fucking chanting Joe is going to kill you or you're not real fans, NXT
1: crowd. Yeah, I love how he gets that chant. It's it's him and Champa, I think, are the two guys that get that the most. Um, Taz was the first guy they did that for, right? That chant.
0: Possibly, I, I always just remember it from Samoa Joe and Impact and Ring of Honor. Um, okay, back in 2000. But I mean, uh, I'm sure Taz got something similar when he was at ECW. It's just it's been a long time since I watched any of that hardcore TV stuff, to be honest. But th- that I mean, if you're going to do that, Taz does look like he is going to fucking murder you. So it would <laughs> it would make sense. Former manager of Samoa Joe.
1: Yes. Um. All right, so let's get into Dynamite the next night. And we start off with an awesome fucking match between two guys that we... I mean, Carl Anderson, even though he's known for his tag wrestling efforts, he was definitely a great singles wrestler back in Japan. I check out some of the matches, uh, specifically the one he had with Tanahashi, to go and uh, check that out. But for the, uh, the New Japan IWGP U.S. title that John Moxley currently has had a match with Moxley um, I mean just like we're gonna talk about for Smackdown it's just so great to have the crowd back it really is it's just like a natural just it just feels great honestly and um, I kind of wish that they do wild thing I know that some people are gonna disagree with me but I wish they would use the the more rockin version of wild or wild thing for when Eddie and John, tag team with each other, because I actually, for one of the theme music, and like I said, maybe I'm crazy for this, I liked Moxley's, and I thought it really pumped him up uh, going to the ring, and that aggressive nature kind of gave me like a little bit of an Austin feel, but it was its own entity altogether, so out of all the the crappier ones that they had, I thought that was actually one of the better ones, but um maybe that's me. Do you, do you have that, do you, do you think that too, or do you like them using now Wild thing, uh, Onita's nah, music as his.
0: I I fucking hate it. I, it doesn't fit John Moxley at all. It definitely doesn't fit Eddie Kingston. So, um, yeah, not a fan. I wasn't a fan of it when he debuted. It. I I didn't understand why he changed his music. To be honest,
1: did you like his former music?
0: I thought I liked his former music just fine. If you were gonna do that, why didn't he come out to Lunatic Fringe since that was his old gimmick? If you're going to let him buy a classic rock song, oh, that would be cool. Um, Wild thing in itself. Like, does anyone really dig that song outside of like, did he watch Major League and he's like, fuck yeah, Charlie Sheen?
1: No, they're doing it because it was Onita's theme back in the day. Well, I guess, but I don't. I don't really. I think it it fits Onita better than it fits Moxley. I'll just put it that way. And if anything, if they do end up having a Moxley Onita match. Onita needs to claim this is my fucking theme music you you rip off and hit him in the face
0: yeah i mean i don't i, I feel like that moxley should be coming out to like anthrax or something <laughs> like, i don't <laughs> i don't uh I, I don't know wild thing is just it's not fitting of his character because he spazzes out on his entrance um the whole way down the ramp like uh, it's whatever. I don't, you know, it doesn't really matter, I guess. Moxley's already over, but like Wild Thing is not not one of the songs I would pick if I was going through like a list of classic rock songs to give
1: to John Moxley. No. I agree. All right, um but the match itself was good. It kind of got jump started. Uh well, it got jump started I believe by Eddie Kingston hitting fucking callows in the back with a fucking um, steel uh, pole. But really good match back and forth. I don't know. I just... Now they're having another match next week, so it looks like they're they're defending this title, it seems, more on the show. And they definitely defended it before in the past with Yuji Nagata and before that, Kenta. So just it's just weird that the, the U.S. championship from New Japan is now a premier title, if you will, or, or a title that you can get on AEW, and then they brought the new strong title to be the american new strong television shows championship that tom lawler holds so you know they got that i guess they're now using the ftw championship for the first time ever as a fucking title tnt title and then the world heavyweight title um on their show at least um with both the nwa and the uh women's and also the their main title that's been in the past as well so Bunch of championship. John Moxley wins. And uh, afterwards, we had, like I said, the Murderhawk monster who recalled dropping that title to Moxley at Russell Kingdom a few years ago. Uh, he wants that fucking title back. Jake's doing his thing. I don't know what the hell they're doing with Jake Jake Roberts. I don't want him telling the guy to chill out more and relax. I want him to fucking promote the anger, promote the craziness, because that, that's what Jake fucking Roberts would do. I'm sorry. So that type of stuff I don't, but I love Lance Archer. I love his delivery. I will be really looking forward to the two of them having another match since they had a really good one, uh, previously. And I don't know, maybe this will be possibly the one where someone costs Moxley that title, but I kind of tend to believe that Lance Archer has a better shot winning that title. Um, than tonight's match with Carl Anderson, uh, how'd you, how'd you like the match, Chris? Um, I thought it was a really good match. I've, I think I've seen...
0: No, I haven't. Never mind. I was going to say, I, I kind of expected a little bit more. Like, I feel like I've seen this match before, but that's impossible. I don't think they've ever crossed paths before, have they? Moxley and Anderson? No. I don't think so. Or maybe when he was in WWE... 'Cause they kind of cross over it a little bit. Like I feel like I've seen a better match between them, but maybe I'm just
2: Oh yeah, losing- no.
1: You're not losing your mind because it was when um I forgot about this. It's when he was Dean Ambrose and Dean Ambrose was going against AJ Styles and they just were on their tirade. They did like the beat John Cena up thing and then they turned it into John Moxley. Or not John Moxley, Dean Ambrose. So he definitely prob he probably was in a match with Carl Anderson in the past in WWE. Yeah, this will probably sound like blasphemy before everyone else,
0: but I kind of, or to everyone else, but I kind of remember that match being a little bit better. Um, but this was I mean, this was fine for what it was. There's, I mean, with Gallows and Kingston being involved, it kind of took away from what was going on in the ring. I did like the uh, the end of this match with Moxley hitting the uh, the gun stun and then uh, basically a rainmaker, a ripcord lariat. Straight into the to his finish so he got like a very clean finish it made Moxley look strong he needed a win here anyways after the past couple of months Um, him versus Lance Archer it's weird because you feel like Moxley would be going directly back after Kenny Omega yeah Since since he lost the title in theory he should be entitled to a rematch. And then Lance Archer is kind of here for a New Japan title shot, which I don't think Lance Archer is going to win as far as I know. He's not, I mean, it's going to be really hard for them to drop this title because it doesn't really matter for New Japan right now. Cause like I said, the, like, unless they do it to someone that's on the New Japan strong roster, like if they give it to filthy Tom or something,
1: Um, I don't know, man
0: because lance can't go to new japan like no one they're not going to be able to like i don't see them being able to get into japan for the tokyo dome show so either you leave it on moxley or you drop it to one of the the um the la guys the new japan strong guys which right now they're never open weight champion is filthy tom which might make the most sense but it, it's just kind of a weird situation just because of what is going on in New Japan, in Japan in general. So, I mean, Moxley could just retain it. And I, I mean, if they're fine with them defending it, Lance Archer could win it. But either way, I don't think it matters because it's just going to be something that's shown on this show and this show only, unless they start working, like I said, New Japan strong
1: shows. Could be. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, the next big thing that happened, I would say was Andrade, he was in an interview and uh, he basically called out the death triangle. So how are they gonna go about this? Because individual matches, all three of those sounded great. Andrade versus Pentagon, awesome. Him versus Phoenix, awesome. Him versus Pac, awesome. But you would think and assume that if he's gonna do this, he might have someone coming to help his back. So I don't know what direction, but we do know that at one point in time, and Rush just dropped the Ring of Honor Championship, you know, they were all in a faction. The original Los Cinco Bonables was Roosh. It was obviously El Idolo, but uh, I forgot. La Sombra, when he was La Sombra before that, before Andrade. And then Dragon Lee and uh, Tensuya Naito. So those are some of the original members. So... Obviously, I don't expect Naito, but do you think that the brothers, maybe Roosh and Dragon Lee, will be making, you know, even though they're signed with Ring of Honor, they're also signed with CMLL and AAA. They do stuff with AAA. Could maybe those two be coming to back up Andrade against the Death Triangle? Because if you have matches like that, I don't care if they're fucking crazy and all over the place. I definitely want to see that happen.
0: Well, I mean, he didn't. They didn't necessarily say andrade was going after them it just said tell them that el idolo is looking for them that could mean many things could it mean that andrade is trying to make an alliance to go against kenny for at triple mania
1: that's a good point that's also a good point they can call it the black square now instead of the (laughs) dark triangle
0: well i mean he just needs people to have his back so if the idea is that hey look aren't you guys tired of this Canadian holding our Mexican heritage championship? Like that's a storyline you could build, right? Where all he's asking for is Pentagon and Phoenix to have his back. Cause otherwise he's going to get jumped like everybody else does against Kenny Omega. And Andrade in theory should be winning this fucking match at triple mania. So that's what I took away from it, but it could hmm. be opposite. Um, because like I said, he never really called out and said he wanted to match with him. He just said he was looking for them.
1: That's a good point. I forgot about that. Um, I don't know. That's, that's, that's something that kind of changes up altogether is asking, you know, the two huge AAA wrestlers that both have had that championship, Phoenix and Pentagon to have his back. And the fact that they have another crazy ass guy named Pac involved with them that can, you know kind of help out Andrade and then afterwards he can fuck them all over if he wanted to, if he gets the championship. So that's an interesting way of uh, looking at it. If it's the opposite, do you think that it could be, you know, uh, not L.I.J., but L.I., if you will, (laughs) coming back as a unit somewhat, just as a crossover thing. I don't think that Roosh or uh, Dragon Lee would be full time or anything like that, but brothers against brothers, I think everyone's want to see Roosh and Dragon Lee against Phoenix and Pentagon. And then on top of that, you throw an Andrade on one side and then fucking Pac on the other.
0: Yeah, I mean, that would also be great. Uh, like you said, the only thing was, is they're, like, already signed, Dragon Lee's already signed to ROH, CMLL, and he's working with A. Like, well, I, I mean, I guess maybe he's able to just work anywhere.
1: So, I, I
0: mean, well, the, I,
1: thing the thing, thing is, so, you know, Sorry, Brian, I know you're trying to chalk, but uh, the thing is, if you're going to have Roosh come into company, you just have him go against Kenny Omega, because you will be a, an eight-star match instantly.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: Dave. <laughs> and, <laughs> against the Young Bucks in a tag team match at Kalamazoo in, in, uh, and Count Kilimanjaro. Uh, oh, yeah. That's not it. If, if, you, if, if you don't like what I have to say about women's wrestling, then you're an idiot. You're fucking Uh, stupid.
0: Trying to think of Brian Alvarez quotes. Burnt to a crisp. (laughs) That's it. That's all I got. (laughs) I can call you you a bloke. That's his other new thing. He just calls everyone a
2: bloke. Uh,
0: But no, I mean, I kind of just took it as... They're teasing something with Andrade with Pentagon and Phoenix, but I don't necessarily think it's him wanting to have a match with them.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure, man. It's going to be interesting. I like your scenario actually better than my scenario now because an alliance between the four of them, you know, to go against uh, the elite and also building up Triple Mania, which is in a couple of weeks, that would make a lot of fucking sense really would
0: and do you uh i guess with with this on with what they're doing right now and him having a translator are they just done with vicky guerrero hopefully are they just going to be like they're going to pull a wwe and she's no longer his manager
1: yeah have alex done (laughs) have alex just help him out with interviews and represent him, you know like he's been doing with pentagon This should be actually fuck it. You know what the you know what we should need to do? Screw the friggin' triangle. What we really need, obviously, is for Alex Abrentes. We want the Abrentes family. And he has all four of them. That is it. you want you want shit to get crazy, have him be like the new king manager with a fucking team like Pac, Andrade, Phoenix, and fucking Pento.
0: Yeah, either that or fucking put Conan with all those guys.
1: That's another good point. <sighs> all right, so let's let's move on. Crazy. I did not see this happening. Obviously, it was from some bullshit uh, because of, you know, getting the title involved. Uh, basically, Team Taz is trying to help Brian Cage in this match because Ricky's been acting like a bad boy. But Ricky Starks... Uh, were they in New Orleans, Chris? Because I know he's from New Orleans, but he lives and has lived most of his life in Texas. So, were they, because the crowd was fucking just absolute, two absolute Ricky Starks, I would say.
0: Honestly, I didn't pay attention to where this was from. <laughs> so, it potentially, I can look it up real quick though.
1: Oh no, it was in Texas. It was in Cedar Park. But regardless, Ricky obviously lived in Texas most of his life. Um, he got trained by Booker T. He's from that whole entire promotion. So he got a big pop. It seemed like, but prime was, I think, supposed to be the baby face in this. Ricky was supposed to be the heel obviously came to the end. Taz's guys, including his son hook was trying to get the attention of the ref, but Ricky grabbed the belt from Hobbs blasted cage in the face behind the back. And now your new FTW champion, Ricky Starks. Who got the fuck out of there immediately afterwards? This is one of the best, I would say, because the audience interaction. Even though he wasn't on the mic, I think one of the better uh, showings of Ricky Starks. And uh, just weird since he broke his neck not too long ago, he's already back in the ring and you know doing some crazy stuff. And now has that championship. And hopefully Chris will defend that fucking championship, unlike Brian Cage did. But my downside: what the hell does this do for Brian Cage in the future?
0: Oh, I don't know. I mean, since you don't have to necessarily put that belt on the line, I guess he's going to get his win back over Ricky Starks and then move on to someone like... I'm assuming he's going to beat Hobbs, beat Starks, and then move on to Miro. Right? That would be my guess. Miro versus Cage.
1: Yeah. That would be a pretty awesome match.
0: Because didn't they do the match in he basically got fucked over by taz's group not on purpose but they cost him the match
1: yeah uh, is taz's team now babyface? even though they're doing heel shit like i don't i don't really know what they're trying to go for with that whole group
0: no i mean i think that the cage is supposed to be the baby face here because he's telling them he doesn't need their help And then they just basically screwed him over for this championship. So I'm assuming that cage is the babyface coming out of here and Taz's group is still heel, but who knows? They haven't done a great job with this storyline or with the F2W championship in general, or with Taz's group in general. I mean, they've pretty much lost everyone on the fucking roster at this point. So, um, unless you watch AEW dark, I guess. (laughs)
2: That's
1: good. Yeah, I agree with you, but it'll be interesting to see where Brian goes next. And, uh, Ricky definitely got, he was pretty over with the audience so that's good for him even though i don't think he was supposed to be but you know how that goes um did you have something to say
0: no i was just gonna say well i mean it makes sense that it's his own if, it, if it's texas and he's from texas th- that he's gonna get you know a big pop here uh, i didn't even know that he was living that he had lived in tech you know like it's like if aj styles was in Atlanta he's going to get cheered more even though he's not really he lives in Gainesville Georgia he wasn't born in Gainesville Georgia he's a poser uh Hi <laughs> hey man, you don't even need to say that <laughs> I can say that I'm from Hill County um that that being said it I I wonder if that will continue I like Ricky Starks okay he's still he's grown on me a little bit but I, I'm still not the biggest fan of of Ricky Starks
1: He's kind of mini Rock, and I know he hates hearing that, but that's exactly what I think. I'm like, if The Rock was a luchador, I guess.
0: And wasn't a good promo.
1: <laughs> I actually, I don't mind his promos. I think he's pretty decent on the mic, but um, he just doesn't look, he looks kind of odd. I'll just say that. He's got confidence. He's got swagger, that's for sure. Um,
0: I just, I don't know. He, he's To me, He's always, he looks really sloppy in the ring at, at times. Uh, yeah, specifically in the match against like if you go back to the match with Moxley, uh, that tag match he had with Moxley and um, who the hell was Moxley's tag partner?
2: Was it Jungle
0: know. Boy? I don't know, because Moxley's had so many damn tag partners. But going back to that, it was just really bad. No, it was Moxley and Darby Allin. That's what it was like that. He had so many fucking missed spots in that match. It's just, and I've seen a lot of that from Ricky Starks, even going to the NWA stuff, which is a tape show. Um, I'm just not the biggest fan of his. He's grown on me a little bit, but still just, you know, if fans are behind him, that's good. But he's not necessarily my cup of tea.
1: All right. So next we had Cody, who was uh, pretty pissed off about what happened the week previous. Probably one of the bigger follow ups on the show uh, coming out. And uh, I guess using his power by demanding that Malachi Black come to the ring after, you know, Basically, call him a bitch for kicking an older man in the face and knocking him unconscious. Um, and if he had wanted to get his attention, he knew his number, or he could have came in instead of trying something like this. Malachi Black appears on the big on the big screen, and he says, "When he looked Cody and Arn in the eyes last week, it wasn't there." Uh, and then Cody called him and told him to come down to the ring, basically. And uh, lights go on. Lights. Lights go off, lights go on, they lock eyes, Malachi Black's in the ring, and they start just beating the living shit out of each other until officials come to break it up. I mean, normal build, kind of predictable. Um, I don't like teleporting. I'm not big on that. I hate it when Bray does it and Matt Hardy in the past. But this was fun. Uh, we, I don't know. Just next thing, kind of do something out of the box, I would say for whatever you progress with Cody. I did like the color differences. Forgot who brought this up, but kind of reminded me of Sean when he went WrestleMania against Taker. Taker came up from the ground, black outfit. Sean came from the heavens, gold and white. Cody was wearing a golden white suit to compliment uh, Black's black suit. So stuff like that. I like Cody's good on the mic, but You know cody's gonna be leaving soon again to go film the next season of that uh show that he was on with uh rosario dawson and snoop dogg so apparently that means that he's gonna be going soon so i assume this will build to some type of match malachi black and black will beat him and then cody will be off for a couple weeks come back and go after malachi black again the only problem with this is this this stop start stuff since cody lost the tnt championship to go do stuff for the company, and I get he's an EVP. He's one of the stronger storytellers. So when you barely get a rivalry with him in Pentagon, and this seems like it'll be pushed through very quickly, just based on that. Eh. So what do you think about this, Chris? Well, we
0: didn't. You didn't really talk about it, but we did get Black sitting alone in a room talking about a man killing a horse because it was crippled. <laughs>
1: That's right. I do remember him saying something like
0: that. Um, (laughs) Which I'm assuming he was referring to Arn Anderson. But I was like, please don't have this guy sitting in fucking rooms cutting vignettes.
1: Have him say little. (laughs) It's It's not that Black's not good as a promo. It's just that it's better when he doesn't speak.
0: (laughs) he's a decent promo but do we need him sitting Kania just came out on the stage and said it like do we need him sitting alone in a dark room again please let's not fucking do that um another pet peeve of mine i liked i like i want to start off by saying i did like this segment and i am looking forward to this match um it's just odd that they chose to do the dark room vignette with with alistair or uh, tommy end or malachi also cody and everyone else needs to stop calling him Tommy End, and then referring to him as Malachi Black. If he's fucking Malachi Black, just call him Malachi Black. Don't talk yeah. about because to- like Tommy End wasn't a thing in WWE, and I doubt people know that much about Tommy End.
1: No, uh, yeah, unless they've dug way
0: back into the history. Because I mean, he wasn't like in New Japan or Ring of Honor with that name. So I it. I don't understand why people keep bringing it up. This is two weeks in a row where they bring up Tommy end. It's like, if he, if you want to call him Tommy end, he should just go by fucking Tommy end. Um, and also still not a fan of the name Malachi black. Uh, it's just, it doesn't roll off the tongue. Just sounds fucking weird. Uh, but this should be fun. I like that, that Arne, you know, got knocked the fuck out. Maybe Arn shows up and tries to help Cody. I'm assuming that black is going to win this match because of the reasons you stated, which is Cody's going to be gone to record some dumbass show. No one cares about another talent
1: show. It's not America's got talent. So no one gives a fuck. I agree. I totally agree. Uh, how'd you like, uh, Santana Ortiz kind of punk and Tully Blanchard. Um, this is just building up to them versus FTR, which regardless should be a great match. But, uh, you know, scaring him, and they thought that he was, they were going to do something. And they just basically faked him out. Um, Tully should have peed himself, right? Why not?
2: At that point?
1: <laughs> Tully Blanchard's not
0: the kind of guy that pisses himself unless he gets trapped at a Denny's. Uh, <laughs> look, <laughs> l- look up the Manny Fernandez shoot on that one, guys. Um, now, that all that being said, uh, I like this, and I like that they didn't attack Tully because Santana and Ortiz are going to be baby faces. So it makes sense that they wouldn't, they just scared him. They didn't beat the hell out of him with a blackjack like they could have. And it also sets up, you know, Conan getting a little bit of revenge on Tully down the road here. So I'm looking forward to that. That should be a fun fucking match.
1: Yep. All right. So we get in the ring. Tony Schiavone uh, calls out Hangman Adam Page. Hangman Adam Page, the first one to listen and not take the mic out of the interviewer. Tony must have been so happy about that. But anyways, uh, he's about to say something. Uh, You know, he brings up the Dark Order, told him, and goes on to extend the official challenge. Uh, But, of course, Kenny Omega Music Hits and Don Callis and the Young Bucks and Gallows and Anderson, all members of the elite, come. Um, But Matt Jackson in particular wanted to say something uh, as he walks down. You know, and basically all the other guys are just saying that Paige is, is nothing. And Jackson asks Paige if he remembers him or any of the guys behind him. He says those are the friends that he abandoned. He said it still blows his mind that he left us for a bunch of losers in purple. Page gets in his face and Jackson says, uh, Paige's breath stinks, uh, obviously referring to, you know, him drinking from the bottle. Uh, He goes on to call him uh, the next great wrestling tragedy, which I did not really appreciate that line. He says it makes him uh, mad to hit him, thinking he won't. He does without hesitation. The elite try to strike, but Paige fights him off and is joined by the Dark Order who come to the ring. Paige gets back on the mic and says he came here tonight for a match, and he's not leaving until he gets one. He tells Omega that he isn't either. Omega says they can do that because he can see by the look in his eyes that he wants him in the ring all by himself. He says he can do one better, telling him to queue up the Goon Squad as well. He says his guys versus whoever out of those group of the Dark Order members that Paige got. And looks like we're going to have that match uh, next week. So it's, it's a five-on-five, five. Uh, the Elite flip out and calm down uh but the fans break out to cowboy shit chant which was very loud in the place omega gets in the ring and tells the dark order to back up uh because he has something he has to say to his former partner he said it's not a problem except that they get nothing if they win he offers that uh if they do not only uh only not only do the boys so basically uh what the hell the smash brothers themselves are going to be going for the tag titles. Cause they're, I guess, number one. So they lose that shot and Omega and page will never happen. Page will never be able to go against Omega for the title. So quite a stipulation. I mean, I guess page and the dark order have to win that five on five, Chris. I, I would hope so.
2: <laughs>
0: Cause who the hell else is going to challenge Kenny at this point? Unless you're going to turn MJF face because no one else is built up to on that level. So I, does that mean the dark order is going to be fucking tag champions? That seems
1: wacky. God, I hope not. No offense to the dark order. I think they're great, but I don't need Stu Grayson and Evil Uno. Is that, is that kind of, I know to AEW fans, it's not, but to me and you and, and fans like us, is the Dark Order, especially without Johnny Hungi, backing up Adam Page, hurting Adam Page?
0: No, because I think the fans
1: were super behind him here.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, maybe for us personally, but like, it doesn't seem like it's hurt him at all in the character. I think people really do want to see him lariat the fuck out of Kenny Omega. <laughs> you know what I
1: mean? Yep. All right, so MJF, or no, no, Chris Jericho's doing interview backstage. This gets interrupted promptly with uh, Sean Spears, who nails him in the throat with a uh, chair. MJF basically tells him that this is the first person that Jericho's going to have to face in his matches of five, leading to his fifth match with MJF, and that Sean Spears can use a chair in it, and Chris Jericho can't. Um, all Um, right interesting way to start things off, I guess, Chris.
0: Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, I guess Jericho is just going to beat Sean Spears. So it doesn't fucking matter, but that is a weird step.
1: <laughs> All right. So Matt Hardy and Christian cage uh, had a match. They had an awesome match. Obviously this guy or these guys have chemistry but it would end up with Christian winning the match and then Team Hardy coming out to try to help out their mentor and Jurassic Express ran out to help out Christian. So I want Christian and Matt Hardy. Now, they had a great match. They have chemistry, but I feel like both of those guys can be doing other stuff than having a feud with each other. But what do I know, Chris?
0: Um, What would you have them do right now? Go against Miro?
1: Possibly, I kind of. I mean, I I guess we have to wait a bit, but I I do want to eventually see Christian and Kenny Omega in the ring together.
0: Yeah, I mean they've clogged up the card a little bit with all of the factions they have going right now. Especially if you're going to do Dark Order versus the Club, and you're still going with Pinnacle versus fucking whatever the fuck they're called, Um, Inner Circle. Like the and then now you got LAX basically reforming versus FTO. Like the whole card is stacked for a two hour show. So cage and Matt, I'm assuming will feud for a while. I don't know that they have a whole lot for them to do right now without finishing up some of these stories that they already have going.
1: Yeah, that's very true. Um, Next up, man, Burt Baker is definitely over like Rover with the audience she comes out for an interview with Tony talks shit about, uh, both Vicky, calling her old, basically, <laughs> uh, and Nyla, and just basically um, telling Vicky that she has a last name uh, that keeps her relevant in wrestling, and that's about it. Uh, and she vows that she's going to beat Nyla Rose. I liked uh, Vicky and Nyla's response later. I thought that Vicky was good, and also uh, Nyla was good. So building up that match, but uh, yeah, man. DMD's taking those digs, Chris. She performed a root canal on Vicky. Uh,
0: She did. And also, this was apparently the highest-rated segment on the show. Damn. Her and Sammy Guevara Guevara was next. That was the highest-rated section of the entire show, apparently. I heard that earlier today.
1: All right, so next we have that match that you were saying. Willa Yuda, who has been building himself up, um on dark going against sammy guevara really good showing for yuda obviously we knew that guevara was going to win uh he was also a hometown hero in texas um but yeah just just good stuff back and forth man i'm actually thinking that wheeler yuda is someone to watch for the future so he goes at the end of it he went behind sammy and picks him up and hits him with a, a release german suplex yuda hits a follow-up splash Goes for the cover, but Guevara kicks out, pops up, and starts duking it out with him. He hits a big back body drop on Yuta and then a spear on him in the corner. He goes behind and blasts him with a kick to the back um, of the ring apron. He springboards to the top rope and comes flying off with a cutter. Uh, He follows it up with the go to hell for the pin and victory, Sammy Guevara. Uh, Sammy's another guy, man. Like, uh, uh, like Adam Page, like Britt Baker, very over with this crowd.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, like they're the top babyfaces, right? Maybe outside of you add Darby and Jungle Boy in there, but I think there's clear cut that I think Adam Page is definitely the biggest fan favorite right now. Based on pops, him and Sammy seem to get the biggest pops of the night.
1: Yeah, and the biggest thing about that is that one's from the state and one's not. So Adam Page is definitely one of the most over guys in the company.
0: Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people assume that Jungle Boy was going to get a huge pop with the live crowd back. But um, I, to me, wasn't as big as expected when he showed up.
1: No, I agree with you. All right, well, Cutie Marshall's a, a jerk. Remember that episode where Tony Soprano... To really show how much of an asshole he was. He poured a cup of coffee on Polly's head. I don't either. But that's apparently what QT Marshall does. Because he poured a cup of coffee on Tony Schiavone's head. And that was it. What the fuck are they doing with QT Marshall?
0: For, for some reason. When you were just talking about that. All I could think about was Tony Soprano. With fucking food poisoning on that boat. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh,
0: <laughs> which is great. Um. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't really give a shit. I don't like QT Marshall. So. <laughs> In fact, you just made me want to watch that scene instead of watching anything involving QT Marshall uh, with Pussy and Supran- uh, Tony on
1: the boat. Yeah. Kind of agree with you. All right, next match. Yuka Sakazaki made her return. Went against uh, Penelope Ford. I'll just say it. I wasn't... The biggest yuka fan uh before when she was a part of it out of the joshi wrestlers i thought that she fought i don't know just it everything's light nothing looks like it's really that that hard hitting it's a little maneuver she makes and i don't think they should have beat Pennell before it. i think that she's someone that should be pushed to the moon and you could just get back she can take a fucking loss i i don't know maybe that's just me I just never thought that Yuka Sakazaki, the girl that can fly or whatever the fuck uh, homeboy says the girl that can fly in the air the butcher the blade I don't get it Chris I really don't if you're gonna do if you're gonna have her win don't have her beat Penelope Ford I'll just leave it at that best
0: thing about this match was we got to hear Penelope Ford's entrance music which is still my favorite thing. <laughs> outside of maybe uh, Where Is My Mind, which doesn't count because that's the Pixies. Probably my favorite intro. Uh, The match itself was fine. I agree with you, though. I don't know that I would have her beat Penelope Ford. Uh, Obviously, they're super behind Yuka. She's going to be here for a while because she's definitely not getting back into Japan (laughs) at the moment. So I guess, you know, if you're going to build her... I I guess they're looking for a babyface to go against Brit because it's not Nyla. So fresh meat for brett baker i don't see her beating brett baker
1: is it just me or is she like luigi yuka sakazaki and uh mario 2 where if she jumps in the air she can just like kind of glide on it by maneuvering her her little legs
0: <laughs> you went with luigi and not princess peach which
1: makes me very happy <laughs> <laughs> or princess peach either way it just
0: since they both have floaty jumps um uh... I, love I, feel like, I feel
1: like I feel like like a uh, like if you blew bubbles, a bubble hitting you would actually cause more impact than Yuka Sakazaki. Um
0: Well, I mean, I think you can say that a lot of, uh, about a lot of the Japanese female superstars they brought over from Stardom, which is kind of weird that you know they had Bea Priestley, who I think is one of the better <laughs> wrestlers from Stardom. And she's in NXT UK now instead of AEW, but whatever.
1: It's like it's like WWE's like, all right, we'll take uh Asuka, we're gonna take Kerry Shane, we're gonna take Ushurai, uh, uh you know, we're, we're gonna take all of that. Uh Welsh, innocent NSMB Priestly and uh Miko Shatamura, and then you guys can have the rest. And then crickets fucking came in. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I feel like the <laughs> WWE won that uh
1: won the Japanese female. So Rai. I mean, all of the fucking female Japanese talent the WWE gets is just tech and i but I do like some of I like Riho. I like um who's the last tag team champion? Oh my god. Uh Yeah, I like Hakurashita too. Champion. But yeah
0: yeah I, well the biggest problem is when they bring people back over like this they don't give you any reason to care about them which is part of the reason i complained about that tournament they don't give you like i know that that would involve them maybe buying some of tape library from stardom to try to show you why you should care about these female athletes or wherever they're from i know some of them were in ddt and in other places but give me some kind of video package like in the may young tournament at least i get a video package of why i should care about the person can you just give me like a a two-minute video of why who they are what they're about why i should care um because i mean why are they dressed like
1: freddie mercury
0: (laughs) well they at least they were at least able to explain that with the fact that she had trained um rio rio so like they at least gave you some kind of backstory of why that was important like their feud, just give me, just give me anything, like a reason to care will make me appreciate some of these athletes that you're bringing over more. And that would go for, you know, that, I would say that goes for WWE as well, but they tend to do a better job of explaining these people. And and a lot of that is because they start on NXT Um, and NXT does do a good job of giving you vignettes. I, I would say a lot of that has to do with Bo Rash, but some of the best stuff that NXT does is, those little mini two-minute, three-minute documentaries about the person. The same thing with the May Young tournament. Um, If you give me a reason to care about the person, then I might be able to look past (laughs) light as a feather uh, moves in the ring. But it's just like, here's a match. Yeah. Penelope Ford, I think, is one of the best women wrestlers on their roster. Agreed. And she's been very fucking underutilized. She has like one of the best themes. She's got a good look. I think she's one of the best people in the actual ring on their female, on the female side of their roster. Unless you're counting like uh Thunder Rosa and Serena Debs. I mean, she would definitely be in the top five. I wouldn't necessarily have, have her losing to Yuka as soon as Yuka comes in. If you wanted to do like a, uh, a fuck finish or something or a roll up pin, or I don't know something. I-, I wouldn't have had her win clean at least.
1: No, I'm I'm completely with you on that, and uh, that's why I had to say it. I think that Penelope is one of the future stars on there. I don't know if I feel that way about Yuka Sakazaki, but it has nothing to do with her being a Josie wrestler uh, because Karoshita and Riho, past champions, and I have no problem with them being on the top tier. They deserved it. But Penelope, I see at that level, I don't see Yuka Sakazaki, and they could have put someone else against her from the women's division to make sense of it. Or just had her lose, even though it was her first match back. I mean, that happens all the time. So, I don't know.
0: Well, I mean, they need to accept the fact that Britt Baker is no longer a heel. They're also going to have to get over the... Like, people aren't going to cheer Yuka over Britt Baker. If that's what they're trying to build to, it's not going to work. Um, so, what you could have done is position Penelope Ford as the heel against Britt Baker. So, going this way to me, seems like, hey, they're going to give Yuka a winning streak and then she's going to be the next opponent for Britt Baker. The problem is, is fans like Britt Baker? She's not a heel anymore. You shouldn't have had that blood feud match (laughs) and allowed her to get over the DMD thing.
1: Fans are not going to boo her. It's just not going to happen. All right, let's get to our main event. Coffin match. Ethan Page, Darby Allin. I mean, this started off fucking crazy brawls. Um, Sting came out. Him and Scorpio Sky fought into the crowd. I really hope they get a singles match, because I know Sky really wants to have a singles match with Sting, but I like that they got the two of them out of this whole entire match. So it was just one-on-one. Um, Ethan Page, All Ego, against Darby Allen. They've talked about their feud going on for years, so they at least brought the information presence of the match and their feud so far. I thought all ego was a great heel. When he 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 milks the audience when they're really disliking what he's doing. Like when he had him in the fucking what was it, a razor's edge off the second rope onto the fucking stairs and just held him in the air for a long period of time and uh jumping out of the way of a coffin drop. It's like just just good heel maneuvers. Darby is a fucking maniac, especially placed By the end of the match, once he rolled Ego into the coffin, shut it, then did a coffin drop through the fucking coffin (laughs) top. Um, Obviously built a lot lighter, but still that had to have sucked, especially since his back already got just smashed right into a fucking steel stairs set. Um, But Darby won, and I guess it's the blow off to their feud, but good stuff uh, either way. and. I what what the hell do you do as Ethan Page in that coffin? Like, how do you know where Darby's gonna come to be able to move your body so you don't get fucking slammed by him? Um, that just that was so gnarly, man. And I I believe it was Tony Schiavone with the great words that was the final nail in the coffin of ego pay or Ethan Page. Good stuff, Tony. Uh, great main event. What did you think about it, Chris?
0: Absolutely loved it. Made Darby look like a star to me got ethan page more over than he was as a heel thought it was a really good match he is really really good at getting the crowd involved um ethan page is very fucking underrated actually so i'm kind of glad to see him flesh out i still feel really bad about his intro like his first match with the defense over top of it (laughs) uh but i'm glad he's been able to recover i i love this match i thought it was good i love the interaction between steaking and scorpio sky uh, probably one of my favorite things of the week, wrestling-wise.
1: Yeah, I thought it was an excellent match, man. Um, yeah, it was definitely up there. You had some pretty good matches. I thought that Gargamo and and Cross had a good match. Uh, I already talked about the match between, uh, or at least the blow-off match with John Morrison, Ricochet, this match, and then we're going to talk about another good match uh, on SmackDown next. Ready to talk about the last show, Chris? Yeah, let's get it. Alright, and then we'll get our, our uh, predictions. Alright, so the first match, it started off first, great to have Vince McMahon come out uh, and, and just comes out real quick and says, "Where?" where have you been or where the hell have you been? It just goes in the back. Did you like that little intro Chris with Vince? Short, sweet, right to the point. Very Vince McMahon.
0: Uh, yeah, it was fine. It was nice seeing Vince. I just kind of expected a little bit more. Um, considering the nation is coming out of a pandemic. I expected like a raw, raw Vince speech, not just a, where the hell have you been? Joke Vince.
1: Yeah, I can see see what you're saying.
0: You know, like, think about, like, what he did after 9-11, right? Not to compare the two, but this was a pretty shitty year that involved a lot of Americans dying. I kind of expected, like, more of a Vince McMahon speech of how appreciative he was to be back with the fans and such, and we just got kind of a joke, which I guess is fine.
1: Well, it would lead to... A three on three match that we're all looking forward to, I would say. Roman Reigns and both uh, Usos, Jay and Jimmy, going against the tag team of Edge and the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. Uh, I think the thing that I was talking about was the entrances more so than the match with this because of, you know, hearing the crowd react. Roman definitely had a very mixed. But I think it's more of a positive in which the audience. It's not so much like John Cena back in the day, where John, you could tell it was the kids that were doing the yays and the adults that were doing the boos. For Roman, you know, some people like what he's doing. Some people know that they should be booing him. And it's a mixture of all that. And he definitely got the loudest response. Edge got the biggest baby face pop. I mean, he's a legend. So what do you expect? And, uh, You know, it was a fun match uh, back and forth, but, you know, Roman Reigns and the Usos would win uh, when Rey Mysterio got pinned at the end of it. Uh, Just a lot of good stuff between Edge and uh, Roman, including that time after the match where, you know, Edge got the better and, or no, Roman was raising his titles basically and then Edge just speared the shit out of him, Uh, but, you know, this is a good way to open up the show. were you more trying to find out who the audience was going to be behind than than caring about the actual match like me, Chris?
0: No, I thought the match was very good. And um, it's hard to tell because they piped in chants the entire fucking night.
1: So that's the question. Did they pipe in chat? Like, was it or are we just used to piped in crowd noise? Because I was the whole entire time like, I, I feel like this this can't be this loud. Like they had to pipe something in. Uh,
0: yeah, they definitely piped in, it, especially if you watch the Sammy Zayn segment that comes later on when Justice for Sammy. That the the actual fan chant was really really loud for Justice for Sammy, and then they piped in boos. It started out really loud, and then you could tell the boos like roared up. That one's very specific, and then the Roman stuff. I think Roman is more over than they're alluding to. I also noticed that the new SmackDown stage is just the same as what they were using for the Thunderdome. I don't know if you noticed this, but with fans.
1: Oh, I think you're right.
0: uh, It did not look any different even though it was promoted as being this new big thing. Uh, But yes, there was definitely piped in chance, so it's hard to tell. But Roman is uh, more over than he was before, at least with the fans. So... (laughs) He's gonna be. It's gonna be. All right. Here's the thing, because when Cena shows up and goes against Roman, what is that gonna look like? Because that's What's the act. What's that action. gonna sound like? Yeah, that's gonna be. That's gonna be the weird one because they're gonna have to make a choice on whether they pipe in cheers for Cena or <laughs> booze for Roman, because you can't do both at the same time without it sounding like a clusterfuck. So. Uh, we'll see. It's just something I noticed. Maybe I'm completely crazy. They've done this in the past on SmackDown and Raw. It's not anything new, but it, it, to me, it was noticeable.
1: Yeah, you basically are just like, now that Bench really understands he can control the audience, he's just going to use this constantly?
0: Well, I mean, I, what what will happen is fans will just start being louder and doing opposite and being doing asshole chants.
1: As long as we don't have to hear the what chance.
0: Uh, hopefully everybody just starts saying EC dub every time Paul comes out to see how much they try to pipe in over that. I'm going to put that out on the internet. Just, just for a test. If you're going to one of these WWE shows in the near future and you're listening to that every time you see Paul Heyman, please chant like start an EC dub chant. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just so we can see yeah. what's
0: being piped in and what's not being piped in.
1: All right, so back from the break, Caleb Braxton stops Edge and the Mysterios. Uh, you know, raises down on himself for the loss of the match, but you know, once that happens, takes Dominic out of the picture. Um, Edge wishes making Roman Reigns tap out like a bitch just now meant that his title win on Sunday was going to be easier, but knows he has to dig down and pull out something extra to get the job done he goes on and says he'll be the most selfish son of a bitch uh then we hear you know laughing almost like the joker cassettes the voice is so fucking irritating and clapping seth Rollins walks up he's got the most ridiculous fucking star-spangled banner suit just you know blue with white uh stars and then like a red undershirt and red shoes just really milking up this whole entire drip thing. Just looking visually at basically. Seth Rollins walks up, uh, goes on about how Reigns' number, win the Money in the Bank contract on Sunday, then cash it in, and finish what he started seven years ago uh, when he should have ended Edge, Edge's uh, life, <laughs>
2: uh,
1: basically. Edge grabs the t- or, God Or, it, this thing's fucking just jumping up. But, uh, yeah, basically... You know, just Seth Rollins being a dickhead and uh, wishing uh, Edge good luck in his match, uh, obviously being sarcastic. So we're just building up for post, you know, money in the bank for SummerSlam, Seth Rollins versus Edge. That's what this really screamed to me, Chris.
0: Same for me as well, just because I assume that Drew McIntyre is winning money in the bank. So the smackdown side doesn't matter as much. Um but, yeah, this was a fun little interaction. Also, are we going to get any – Did Morse is Morrison in Money in the Bank? I'm trying to remember.
1: Yeah, and we'll go over all the people, but stacked fucking Money in the Bank. Everyone that you'd want a ladder match, pretty much. We get
0: Seth Drip Drip versus Johnny Drip Drip, which I'm looking <laughs> super
1: forward to. You need Pat McAfee on that announcing team because he will make that connection and say something. It's the Battle of the Drip! Pat
0: McAfee had more drip than anyone on the show, dressed like a rodeo (laughs) (laughs) participant. At one point, he's on the fucking table dancing to uh, (laughs) Shinsuke's music, which was, I fucking love this guy. (laughs) He he was great. He was great the entire show.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he was. All right, Sami Zayn comes out starts talking about his conspiracies. Like you said, there was definitely a justice for Sammy chant going on. Um, but then he starts berating Texas and talks about what he's going to do. And I have nowhere returning Finn Balor comes out. Sammy, uh, congratulates him for being back. And it looks like he's going to go for a handshake and then ends up trying to clothesline him. Finn Balor takes this, reverses it, uh, gives him, what the hell is it called? The thing that he does that also Tanahashi does and Seth does and every fucking other person. Um, I can't remember the damn name of the move. But anyways, gives him dropkick in the corner, followed by the coup de grace. Uh, fans seem pretty damn into Finn Balor. He didn't seem too damn smiley. Do you think they're going to fucking finally let him act the way he's been acting on NXT on the main product? Basically the same egotistical but confident, you know, Prince Devitt style that he kind of had on NXT, Chris? Or do you think that he's going to go back to smiling a bunch and shit?
0: Uh, I don't know. That's hard to say. It looks like he's going to be a baby face, right? If he's coming out and attacking Sammy, which that should be a fucking great match. Have we gotten that match before him and Sammy?
1: Probably in NXT, I would assume.
0: Oh, No, because Sammy got taken out by Kevin Owens.
1: Hmm. So
0: that would have been before Finn came in and won the title. So I don't remember. And then Finn got hurt. So I don't know that we've had... This should be a really fucking great match. I'm looking forward to that when they set that up. But uh, as far as what he's going to be, I have no idea. I do want to give a shout out to whoever was four rows back hard cam with the sign that says John Cena hates freedom. Shout out to what? that
2: guy.
0: what <laughs> Just because that sign was fucking hilarious. I'm I'm assuming it was a shot at the the China Fast and the Furious stuff. That was a really funny sign.
1: <laughs> That's hilarious.
0: Um, but yeah, I I'm hyped for this just because Sammy's not going against Kevin Owens and him and Finn Balor should have a easily could have a show-stealing match if they're going to put them on the actual show together. Uh which well they won't because the pay-per-view uh well I don't know. I haven't looked at Twitter today. Maybe they put them in the fucking <laughs> opening whatever they call it, the undercard or the uh what do they call it shit, the pre-show? Pre-show. Yeah, I haven't looked at Twitter, so maybe they did book that match. I don't I don't know, but that should be when that match happens, it will be really fucking good between him and Finn. And uh, I like this segment. There was piped-in crowd noises. Uh, you could tell that the fans were super behind Finn. You could just look at the crowd doing his gimmick. He, he seems like he is more over with the main roster crowd than he was in NXT, which is kind of weird.
1: Seems like he's more well, maybe just because of the turn itself, but more over with the crowd than he was before he was in NXT in, in, in WWE on the main roster. I think people
0: were maybe just like a little disheartened that he got kicked off the main roster to begin with. So maybe they're just excited to see him back, but I don't know. It seemed like he would, he got a pretty big pop. I mean, the the pops of the night to me were like Reigns, which was not like necessarily a babyface pop, but noise wise was fucking massive edge. And then probably Finn Balor coming out was a huge,
1: huge moment. Well, definitely uh, three superstars in WWE.
2: All
1: right. We had a tag match uh, with Knox and Shotzi going against, in a non-title match with Natalia and uh, Tamina. Uh, If they won, basically, they would get a title shot. So they're building up that already. And I have no clue if it's going to be on the show. We'll get to that once we go over. But uh, either way, big part of the match, Liv Morgan and uh, Selena were both on commentary and just bickering, going back and forth. Liv Morgan was added to the Money in the Bank match uh, since they had to bring Carmella to go against, you know, uh, which we'll talk about, against, um, talk about one of the biggest pops. We're forgetting to be Bel Belair because she was over like shit with that audience. But they're going to have the women's t- title match like with SmackDown and then put Liv Morgan on the uh, thing. So... The biggest thing that happened with this is not only did uh, Shotzi and Knox win, but then Liv Morgan took out Selena, then she took out both tag team champions and pointed up at the, uh, whatchamacallit, the Money in the Bank. I know Liv Morgan is like a darling with the wrestling community. I think she's great, too. I, I, I'm glad that, she, you know, it sucks that she lost her two best friends, and they've kind of started a push for her, and then they they pull back so many times, but... She's good in the ring, the audience likes her. She definitely got a big pop at the end of it when she pointed up. I don't think she's gonna win it, but I'm glad that Liv Morgan's getting more airtime and getting to show us, you know, her as a wrestler because I think she's good in the ring. She's she was great as a tag team partner, and she loves wrestling. She has her whole entire life, you know, so it's 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 good to see her get some type of spotlight. Chris, I think.
0: Fine with Liv Morgan kind of getting a a shine here. Here's my bigger problem with this. Shotzi, they just won clean last week, right? Yep. Why the fuck did we need a roll up pin here?
1: And because fuckery. it's 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 not the RKO is the world's most devastating finisher. It's it's the, the almighty roll up on Ron fucking SmackDown.
0: Well, I mean, not only that, but it was a fuck finish because they brought these two chicks out, Selena and and (laughs) what the fuck did they have to do with the tag team division? This is more of my point. Why are you squashing these two things together? Either cut time out of something else to make time for whatever they're going to do with Selena Vega and Liv Morgan or don't have this fuck finish or set up like a, a a, a triple tag team match. You know what I mean? Like, to me, it just took away from both of the feuds because you just combined two things together. And it also made your new baby faces, Shotzi. I'm assuming they're baby faces here. Um, Shotzi and Tegan Knox look kind of weak because they had to get a roll up win off an interference after getting a clean win last week. So, booking wise, I fucking hated it. But uh, that's WWE. Instead of just doing two women's segments or three women's segments on the show, they decided to do this would it have made more sense for them to be part of the bianca match on commentary
2: yeah yeah, probably
0: instead of this tag match just dumb shit uh but as far as like Liv morgan getting a shine and people being behind her that's cool like i have no problem with that it's just the booking of that match and doing a fuck finish for no reason and knowing that you only have three women's tag teams as i've talked about uh I mean, unless you're going to force – unless you're going to do some kind of angle where they force Selena Vega and – not Tegan Knox, but Liv Morgan to be a tag team for some reason, uh, like they did with Cesaro and Sheamus, they could do something like that. Maybe this makes sense, but outside of that, like, I just didn't understand why they were there.
1: No, I think that's a fair uh, criticism and definitely makes – a lot of sense that I didn't even think of, but yeah, why the fuck were they there? <laughs> Just to cause a distraction to help out with a fucking win, and not only that, like I, I don't but- know if you saw this, there was a lot of people on Twitter. I guess they're probably more, I guess a- NXT fans, like I am too, but a lot of them were like, "Oh, the audience wasn't even into Shotzi and Knox. What the fuck? You know, what are they not wrestling fans?" And it's like, sorry guys, you know, when you're not like diving in NXT. You're not gonna know some of these wrestlers as well and they're gonna get less of a reaction. They gotta rebuild themselves on the main roster. It you just can't expect people to know them because they're wrestlers on NXT.
0: Well that and maybe the fans are just fucking confused that Tegan Knox is randomly Shotzi Blackheart's partner.
1: That could be it too.
0: As opposed to fucking Ember Moon, who was her partner. <laughs> so <laughs> you can be upset about it, but like you said, not everyone watches NXT. That's just something you're gonna have to deal with uh, as a as a wrestling fan, but you know what what the hell reaction did they think they think they were gonna blow the roof off of uh, off of the place for a tag match to begin with?
1: Exactly. it's stupid.
0: I mean, it's a female tag match against Natalia and um, Tamina uh, Tamina Snuka. Like, and it's the same match we saw the week before. It's possible that every fan in that building was like, didn't we just see this match last week? (laughs) So, I don't know. I didn't seem like the fans were like, it wasn't the fans weren't really behind them. It was a short match with a fuck finish. Like, I don't know what people would expect. Online people need to chill out. Not every reaction is going to blow the roof off the place.
1: No, I agree. All right, so the next match, Women's Tag Team Championship match for the SmackDown Women's title. Champion Bianca Belair would be going against Carmella. They decide, I guess, take this off of the pay-per-view probably to save more time and just put it on the SmackDown. This is actually a big SmackDown because it's, you know, first one in front of fans, so I, I get it. But great match. Man, you're talking about top pops, though. Bianca, her entrance, her nailing her finisher the end audience loved her they were eating her up really good to see but she got the win over Carmella um yeah just uh scooped her up got the kiss of death in the middle of the ring and pinned her really like her uh finisher but um yeah good stuff what do you think Chris
0: yeah I agree with you the fans of super behind her good match one of Car-
1: Carmella's better matches she's gotten better in the last couple of years. I will give her that.
0: I will say for a company that is doing a PG show, uh, Carmella's entrance is a little risque, to say the least. With the uh, this, the, the weird cinematography shadow uh, strip dance she is doing.
1: I have no issue with it, of course, at all. And I have <laughs> Corey Graves does as well.
0: Uh, uh, yeah. Yes. Well, maybe he does. I don't know. Um, you get Mandy Rose up there with her, and then maybe <laughs> Corey's head will explode. Uh, <laughs>
2: we did,
1: we forgot. I forgot to talk about that. So that was a weird aspect of NXT. Mandy Rose showed up, and it looked like she had it out for Saray. So is Mandy now not with Dana Brooke? They just collapse another tag team, and she's going to be going back to NXT. It's kind of interesting. Damn. Who are they going to... All right. So
0: Sasha's got to come back, right? I guess so. Because who the hell is going to feud
1: with Bianca at this point? I don't know. Um, But but poor Dana Brooke. Did you think they even told her? Or did did she, like, watch NXT and she's like, Hey, what the fuck? Mandy's on here. Her (laughs) weird fucking accent. Shout
0: out to Dana. I love you. Um, Yeah.
1: I have no idea if they told her or not. Well, you know
0: what? They might as well send her to NXT. She could be, they could do a tag team there. There's more tag teams in NXT than there is in fucking. uh, (laughs) Poor Dana. Uh, I feel like that she gets start and stopped so many times, unfortunately.
1: All right. So we had a match uh, built up with a promo with this weird version of Otis. Like, what the fuck is going on with Otis? Otis was one of the most over in a funny way, lovable a year ago. He was going to win the money in the bank this year. He's like Lemmy from fucking uh whatchamacallit of mice and men, for Christ's sakes. Like this big, dumb monster dude that you think is might break some rabbit, you know, neck on accident petting it or some shit. And then Chad Gable, who is one of their best injuring workers. Or his fucking manager. Regardless, he had a good match with Cesaro. Ended into DQ, so we're going to extend this, I guess. Um, for whatever reason. But Otis and him were having a good match until the ending where, you know... Uh, whatchamacallit uh, got involved. Uh, the fuck? Gable got involved. And they started double-teaming him. So maybe... maybe Davey Boy will come and save Cesaro next week, and we'll get two on two. Does unless does Chad Gable even wrestle anymore? You know, I thought that he was a collegiate wrestler and a fucking Olympian, but let's have him be Otis's fucking speaking, his 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 mouthpiece, since that was definitely Chad's most uh, capable aspect when it came to pro wrestling, his promos.
2: Otis so. is better on the
1: mic than Chad Gable, and Chad Gable's better wrestler than fucking Otis. <laughs> Stupid.
0: Um, yeah, I agree with all the points you just made. I do hope that they do a Cesaro versus Chad Gable match, though, just because in ring that should be a very, very, very good fucking match. Um, but, yeah, it's a weird one for sure. It's um, it's, a, it's a weird one for fucking sure. The... Um, hmm, what's the best way to put this? Uh, Otis, like, at least they're pulling Otis out of the comedy gimmick because they were never had any serious plans for him to be a champion. But it is just a weird juxtaposition of what his character was last year at Money in the Bank versus now. And they did the wrestler's court thing and then they never paid off. Him versus his old tag partner... Uh Tucky. Like they've d- done this guy really wrong, and it's also just hilarious to know that
1: Chad Gable. They took Gable, Mandy Rose away from him.
0: <laughs> yeah. Chad Gable what used to be called Shorty G, but he's like the same height as fucking Otis, and they're in this weird group. <laughs> this is a weird group together. I i don't know i mean at first i thought they were just going to be a tag team which i was fine with like if they were just a heel tag team or whatever but this is it's a bit odd i will say this out of the segment i did buy one of those cesaro shirts that says that's don't good. Need a thing if you ain't got that swing <laughs> it's just it's pretty good um yeah i don't know match itself was fine up to the dk dq finish i'm assuming that he's going to end up beating otis at some point and chad gable is going to have to try to show otis how it's done and you get cesaro versus chad gable which should be a good match
1: right yep uh this next segment i loved man so Caleb braxton's in the back we do know or you know if you're more i guess diehard she hosts the SmackDown, the Talking Smack show with Paul Heyman usually, and they're back and forth great. Actually, I think Paul's helped her become better at, at commentating, get natural behind the mic uh, because of that interaction that she has. But they show what happened during the match beginning uh, with Roman Reigns, uh, and then she's knocking on the door. Uh, Paul Heyman comes out, she brings up Edge, and Heyman cuts her off. He says, Edge uh, sinned, uh tonight. And he will confess and atone for those sins this Sunday at the pay per view, and then have those sins beaten out of him by Reigns. Heyman goes on and says that he just gave Kayla not just a prediction, but it's. Uh, and then Biggie interrupts, yelling his usual intro, uh, then goes over and says that he's going to win the Money of the Bank contract this Sunday. Biggie jokes that it appears that Edge has a hold of Reigns. Uh, Big E gets a good laugh at this and keeps on repeating it, um, while Paul Heyman just looked completely pissed off. Another thing that happens on Talking Smith is every time Big E comes out, he usually berates and touches Paul Heyman inappropriately, which makes him feel uncomfortable and pissed off. So good shit. I love Big E. Uh, just funny stuff in general. What would you think, Chris?
0: Dude, I died laughing when out of nowhere I heard,
2: oh, "Paul Heyman." <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Paul's eyes, just how amazing his facial expressions are. He's like a deer in headlights all of a sudden, like, oh, no.
0: But as we all know, if Paul Heyman says it's not a prediction, it's a promise, That that's a guarantee. That's the Paul Heyman guarantee. He's always been right when he says that. Brock Lesnar has never lost a match when he says that. So I love that they at least teased you with it. And he got cut off. That gives you hope that maybe Reigns will lose against Edge. If you dig into stuff that deeply, I guess. Uh, but yes, Biggie was hilarious here. That was a fun segment, and Paul, like you said, Paul, just Paul's ability to emote facial expressions with stuff like that's fucking hilarious. And I love that Biggie is just consistently making him feel uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> oh my god, I just love it. It's how so you, great. Just the interactions.
0: How do you feel about uh, Big E's new theme music, by the way?
1: It's fine. I mean, I kind of just miss him with the New Day music. I don't know. It's weird not having him. I mean, they're still the New Day. They're just on different shows. So why not have him come out to the same shit he's always come out to?
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Your mic kind of cut out there, Dane.
1: Oh, is it okay now? Yeah, you're back. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I just think that I like the New Day stuff better than his current theme music.
0: I do like the Titantron with the uh, WWE comic, the Big E comic book stuff. That's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, that is pretty, pretty cool. All right, so before we get to the main event, we have, <laughs> I'm sorry, Baron Corbin came out. Of course, he got What Chance, Booed, then towards the end, when he came up with his concept to get money back, a little bit of cheering just because it was absolutely ridiculous. But as dumb as this is, it's Barron's doing a good job with it, I think. Uh, you know, he talks about the fact that he he lost he lost everything, his crown, his car, savings, investments, the the the, the banks going to foreclose on his house. And he says his little baby two-year-old girl you know has to eat pasta out of a can and get food poisoning instead of normal ragu which by the way as an italian that's a complete insult but thank you very much corbin but uh he he started a website called corbinfundme.com uh which is very similar to gofundme weird and his goal is a hundred thousand dollars and then you know basically starts telling people that they have money so they could donate and kind of Going with that, Kevin Owens comes out, the first entrance for this match. Uh, Corbin basically says that he knows that Kevin's very frugal with his money, which is a kind of a known thing within the wrestling community that Kevin doesn't spend a lot of money while he's out and does st- stuff similar that Mick Foley and Owen Hart did to save, and said that he can definitely, you know, give him something. So of course, Kevin Owens turns that with a stunner. So I don't know if we're gonna have Corbin and Owens in the future, but regardless. This shit was making me, this was legitimately making me laugh, Chris. So uh, I don't know how you felt about it, but broke parent Corbin, who's like telling people they should feel bad for him and that they need to give him money. I, I find pretty hilarious.
2: Yeah,
0: I enjoyed this. I thought it was very funny too. The corbinfundme.com is a real thing, by the way. Yep. And I wish they would have doubled down and let people donate and then just gave the money to charity somehow and screwed him out of it. <laughs> you know like like or just play it up as a gimmick but all the money like there's a little thing that says like the money goes to the warrior foundation or something because i feel like people would have donated to this <laughs> um but it was hilarious i liked it and, and obviously kevin giving him a stunner he took a really good stunner here old baron corbin and uh this is the most entertained i've been by baron corbin in a long time so yeah if they, it, it has shades of the big show, so maybe they can turn him babyface here somehow. But I think you're probably right. Maybe he screws over Kevin and this Money in the Bank, and they set that feud up. Kevin is, uh, Kevin Owens is kind of a weird, in a weird spot in his wrestling career because I feel like he's always near to the top of the card, but they're never going to give him another title run. <laughs> mm. You know what I mean? Like he's. He's just always going to be kind of be there, I guess, until his contract's up in 2003. But he doesn't seem like he's upset about that fact. Didn't he just say he was taking time off like, yeah. <laughs> four weeks ago and now he's about to go into money in the bank? So uh, I, maybe they gave him some extra pay to do this, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets killed in money in the bank and is
1: gone for a while. You know who they could do that with is Baron Corbin if they want to bring him, have him throw him off the whatever the stage through a bunch of tables he's dead and whenever he comes back he can just go after baron corbin i guess
0: yeah that that, that's pretty that's kind of what i was thinking and going with so just because kevin said he needed some time off which god kevin kevin's like one of those guys that has been there week in and week out for a long ass time years um he's had a couple injuries here and there but i don't remember him missing any extensive amount of time
1: And he's definitely one of the guys that does a lot of stupid shit. I will say that too. Um, Not too bad in this next match, but I mean, he still went through an announce table. That elbow drop looked fucking terrible.
0: (laughs) Oh. It looks good going down. The way he landed, he's like he put himself through the table and didn't touch Nakamura at all.
1: <laughs> so. No, it looked like his elbow directly went through the damn announce table to the ground. <laughs> like, I hope he didn't fuck up his elbow. But, yeah, we had Kevin, o- Kevin Owens, Biggie, Shinsuke Nakamura, Seth Rollins. One of the things at the beginning of the match, Seth Rollins tried to hightail it. Uh, of course, they got him back and um, kind of laid low. Towards the end, try to put Shinsuke through a table. Kevin Owens stopped him. Then Kevin Owens proceeded to do it, which took out two guys and gave um, you know, uh Seth a chance to get in, take out uh, Biggie, and then what did he do? I think he gave him the curb stomp on top of the, the chair or something like that. Um no on the ladder. Curb that looked definitely. gnarly. Yeah. And then Rollins got the pin. Pretty damn good match. Just a four-on-four match to get you more excited. And this to me means that Seth Rollins is not going to win the, uh, the match with a uh, WWE math since he was going and standing tall after this. And then of course he does the ceremonial thing of climbing the ladder, grabbing the briefcase and saying, I'm not going to win this like happens every year. Good match. What'd you think about the whole thing? Chris?
0: So I, I thought this was a very fun match. I love the entrance where, uh, was it Seth? It was just like, fuck this. It's just, <laughs> Got out of the ring and left as soon as it started. <laughs> He's yeah. Like, well, try try to hightail happens. it.
1: <laughs> and then oh, I- we forgot to talk about the amazing Rick Boogs, who <laughs> is on everyone's mouth, including Chris Jericho, who put him over on the uh, Keeping It 100 podcast. Really likes his stuff. My question, though, to you, Chris this guy was a legitimate indie wrestler. I hate that they made him change his name from Eric Buggenheim to just Rick Boogs, but whatever. He still like is able to do it. He's got a lot of personality. He's an ex collegiate wrestler, you know, in high school and college. When the fuck we're going to see this guy wrestle. Is he just going to intro Nakamura forever?
0: I, I don't know. Eventually, I guess he's going to turn on Nakamura, right? But possibly, but do you want
1: him as a heel?
0: How, how do you feel if you're Elias and there's this other guy playing guitar? <laughs> 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 doing
2: ah,
0: the, same, fuck. Doing the same fucking gimmick. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've heard good things about him. I've seen a couple of his indie matches, but yeah, you you have a point. I don't know what they're going to do with him. Maybe, you know, Shinsuke and him tag.
1: That's a good idea. I like that. I mean, but a lot of personality, man, and uh, fucking for some reason, man, makes Pat McAfee just go absolutely crazy in his pants.
0: Do you like that uh, Kevin Owens had enough respect for fucking Nakamura that he didn't frog splash him or sent on him? Because when he went to that ladder, I was like, he's about to squish
1: the fuck out of Nakamura. (laughs) Yeah, he protected his ass for sure. And
0: and then he did the elbow drop instead, which was the last time you saw Kevin Owens do an elbow drop.
1: I don't think ever. I don't remember.
0: I I thought for sure he was going to frog splash him through the fucking table. And then he went with the elbow drop and put his hip through the table before touching Nakamura. Uh, So maybe Nakamura's nursing an injury or something. Or maybe Kevin's like, hey, I don't want to squish this old man. (laughs) I don't know what it was but it just it was it just made me giggle a little bit. But I love the intro spot where Seth was like being a shitbag heel. He's like, "Fuck this. Why am I even in this match?" And then you get Big E hitting the uh spear and then immediately Kevin Owens hitting the senton over the ropes and then uh Nakamura
1: the for... <laughs> Is it just me and I'm not trying to pick on AEW in this, but when it comes to sequences, especially ones on the outside like that, I just feel like WWE differentiates everyone, has them do individual things, and they're not looking over their fucking shoulder the whole entire time for the guy to get, you know, thrown out or some shit.
0: Well, I mean, there's a hell of a lot of fucking talent in this match, too.
1: That's a good point.
0: To be fair, I mean, you're talking about Tyler Black, Kevin Steen, Nakamura, and uh, newly but great Big E. I mean, all of those guys are fucking phenomenal, so... And also wwe's just different they work a different style we probably would have seen seen more
1: dives <laughs> if it yeah. was AEW. but that's I what i'm saying were... there would have been five more and they all would have been topecon helos over the top
0: <laughs> yes you're probably right uh but this that was fun that was a fun opening and the match itself was good but i mean it would, it basically just turned into a clusterfuck after that um, oh yeah broke down outside the ring but i will give them credit when they came back from all those intros, they had eight minutes left. Great. That shit got done right at like nine fifty, nine forty-five on my DVR, <laughs> and that involved on uh, them. all of those spots, plus Kevin Owens going through the announce table and a curb stomp on a ladder, and Seth going to the top to point at the briefcase. They got that all done in nine minutes. Uh, <laughs> so good for them. But that made me excited for this match because all of those guys, and like I said. I think when we were talking about this last weekend, I was like, I can't remember Nakamura ever being in a ladder match.
1: It's going to be interesting, man. Him and Drew, I I feel like, are the two guys that are the ones that you wouldn't expect to be in ladder matches the most out of all the guys that are involved.
0: Yeah, for sure. Drew is going to be playing the Kane role in this fucking thing, but probably winning.
1: Yeah, he might do something crazy, though, just to fucking prove that he can do it. Um, he I likes to do that sometimes, like when he does when he does the topic on hero to the outside, you know. Yeah,
0: well, we I mean, we already know what's going to happen. Kevin Owens is going to fall off the ladder like 78000
1: fucking times cause... and probably sound something like this, like oh, <laughs> as soon as he hits it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, one thing before we go into the pay per view and give our predictions, I did want to me- mention uh, AEW had their highest, um, what should we call it, uh, rating? Uh, they got one point two five million viewers, or zero two five po- whatever. They got over a million fucking viewers. So great job, Fighter Fest uh, Night One edition of AEW Dynamite, and I hope that they can try to like stay there. Uh, NXT separately now, obviously, but was up close to eight hundred. So I just want I want those shows to keep on rising. I'm glad they're not defeating each other, basically.
0: Yeah. Um, AEW, like I said earlier, their highest rated segment was Britt Baker and Sammy Guevara.
1: Good job on them, man. They deserve which is, it. Which is cool.
0: Um, I didn't get the highest number for NXT like quarterly because they didn't talk about it on the podcast I was listening to. But NXT also did good as well uh, the nba finals didn't really people have been talking about how they went head to head with the nba the nba finals but the finals didn't start until like 9 10 9 20 which might have been why the show dropped off a little bit for AEW. so i'm just throwing that out there because it started central time because it started uh arizona time so it didn't start at the same time as AEW. just as a heads up for anyone that's for people that have been out there saying that that's not necessarily a true tell of the tape so to speak but uh good for i mean good for AEW. i'm assuming the next show will be even bigger because the nba finals will be completely over and fighter fest night 2 has some pretty big matches on it
1: yes it does and uh, nxt just to clarify 705 so up from last week which was one of their lowest on the great american bash episode that was 654 so
0: yeah um that moving time slots didn't really do anything necessarily for them
1: all right well let's go over these matches we have for the tag team championships Smackdown tag team championships uh the mysterios the champions going against the Usos I think the Usos are taking those titles man huh
0: uh yeah I agree
1: God, all of these are big matches because they're all championships or they're uh, the actual money in the bank matches. But uh, the men's uh, real quick, Raw.
0: Real, real quick, do you think they're going to do a DQ on this? Maybe they do I a DQ. Don't. I don't
1: want that. Ugh. Or one of the Usos walks out on the other. That's possible. That's definitely possible. Yeah,
0: I'm going to gonna me. change to the Mysterios on this one and they'll Come save me. it for down the line.
1: To me, it would make more sense to have them win the titles and then lose for whoever loses it. And that caused the other brother to start shit with that one because they lost the tag team titles. So they could do that as well. Just saying.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. It's
1: um, It's either know. or. This is about them more so than it's about the Mysterios. Uh, Even if and- the Mysterios win. Unfortunately for Ray. All right, so AJ Styles and Amos versus the Vikings. The Viking Raiders, Eric and Ivar. This is a no-brainer to me. AJ Styles and Amos are going to win, and then they're going to start up against RK-Bro for SummerSlam, where they're going to put over RK-Bro. That's my prediction.
0: That's a good prediction. I'm going to roll with that as well.
1: All right, let's get into... Um, the women's, uh, Raw Women's Championship, Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. If it's me, I'm putting it on Charlotte. Rhea Ripley needs something. Uh, it's partially because of booking, because she was great in NXT and didn't need anything, but she's not on fire. Charlotte's a huge name. I don't know who the babyface is. I don't know who the heel is, so I'm just going to give it to the, probably the second biggest superstar after Roman Reigns on the fucking roster, Miss Charlotte Flair, the queen.
0: Yeah, I I tend to agree with you here because I don't think the fans are totally behind. Yeah, just because they're both heels. Do you think this is where Becky shows up?
1: And that's definitely a possibility that Becky shows up against either of them afterwards or especially if Charlotte wins because that's a fire fucking feud that they can go back to. She comes back, she goes rap with Charlotte, and maybe you can do a three-way between them at uh, SummerSlam or something. Since they yeah. always do that.
0: Yeah, that seems to be...
1: Uh, I mean, the only
0: caveat to that is, like, Bianca has no one to face. So do you do... Be, but they're both baby faces, so...
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. This one's a weird one, well, but yeah.
2: I, remember...
1: After Summerslam, we're doing the draft, so we're gonna be have stuff switched out. So Bianca only needs one woman to fucking rival with, basically, until Summerslam, and then maybe that's Sasha coming back. I don't know, and then they can switch up the rosters and adjust.
0: Yeah, no, I think you, I think you make a good point there. It's I just would. Uh, Because if Charlotte wins here, then there's going to be a rematch, which would be at SummerSlam, right? So maybe they save Becky until then. I don't know. Becky, I would assume, is coming back very quickly.
1: All right. Let's do do the women's Money in the Bank match. We have Asuka, Naomi, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Ash, the superhero, Liv Morgan, Zelina Vega, Natalya. And Tamina, all in the match for the Money in the Bank briefcase, uh, and I am going to pick. I'm going to pick Liv Morgan. Fuck it. Um, out of the other names, I don't want to see. I mean, Oscar won it last year. Naomi, she could be cool if, if she wanted. I would be down, but I don't. I don't see it happening. I don't want Alexa Bliss to have it. Um, I don't think Nikki's going to get it. Selena, maybe, but no, I don't, I don't see that either. And I don't see the tag team champions, Tamina and Natalya, um, winning that as as well. So I'm going to go Liv Morgan. I think they're going to actually do it, Chris.
0: I'm going to go Asuka, but I think that she's going to try to challenge for the SmackDown title.
1: That's interesting. I, I kind of like that. All right, so I- the men's.
2: Um,
0: the the thing I don't want to see is Alexa Bliss. the lights go out and she's somehow on top of the fucking ladder doing some stupid pose if that happens I'm turning the goddamn pay-per-view off
1: hopefully it's not early in the evening because that could definitely happen <laughs> maybe she gets eaten by the fiend or set on fire or both
0: fucking bull Nakano shows up and puts her through 17 tables I'd be down with that
1: and she never comes back ever again. She just does that randomly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and then Alexa Bliss goes
0: back to being normal Alexa Bliss, and we're done with this Fiend Alexa Bliss shit.
1: That's another person, man. Where's Sasha been? Where's the Fiend been? Where's Keith Lee been? Where's Randy been? They all could show up on this, maybe SummerSlam. Maybe they all waited for all of them for live stuff, but I don't know maybe certain people could show up on this.
0: oh uh, do you think they're going to do one of those dumbass things where, like, Nikki Cross gets taken out and then, like, Sasha takes her place like they did with Becky?
1: They could.
0: No, it would like, really
1: piss people off if Lib Morgan gets taken out.
0: Yeah, because I'm just looking at this, it's like none of these people really... scream... I'm deserving of the <laughs> money in the bank uh, briefcase, but and there's great there's great female wrestlers in there in here like Oscar uh, Naomi for instance Naomi's great but they've done nothing with her so uh, but, yeah I'm stick with Asuka, but there could be some kind of weird fuckery where Sasha does come back now that you brought her name up she was at the ESPYS they did bring her up on uh, SmackDown
1: she was. All right, men's. We got Ricochet, John Morrison, Riddle, Drew McIntyre, Big E, Kevin Owens, King Nakamura, and Seth Rollins. Um, I'm going to go with my original pick. I think I, kn- I know what yours is, but I'm going Big i e. yeah,
0: I'm going Drew McIntyre, and I, I kind of gave the prediction earlier. I expect him to win and then screw over Lashley later in the night not actually cashing the money in the bank but he needs him to drop the title to win so i think kofi which gets into my prediction later i think kofi might actually win the title um here especially now that you have lashley and mvp kind of feuding and yelling at each other so i, th- I think that kind of leads to some fuckery in this heavyweight championship match so i'm going to go with lashley and if i had to pick an outside uh an outside representative Outside of that, it probably it probably would be Biggie. All
1: right. What what if what if Ricochet wins? Will your mouth just completely drop to the floor, or are you gonna be like, ah, someone's gonna fucking take that from him? Damn it.
0: If Ricochet wins, I'll be pissed off because then it's like the it, I, I can't bitch about Jinder Mahal getting a title shot, but then not bitch about Ricochet getting a title shot based off wins and losses. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, my my jaw would hit the floor. I don't see that happening. I do see him and um, John Morrison doing some crazy shit involving a ladder.
1: They already have been lately, man. Holy shit. Uh,
0: My other prediction for this match. Kevin Owens falls off the ladder at least four times and goes through at least
1: two tables. All right. Hopefully he outdoes Bully from that one spot. There's like 20 tables on top of each other on the outside and he just fucking just annihilates all of them. Um Bobby Lashley, Kofi Kingston, I think both of us are on the same table. I think Kofi's taking this title to SummerSlam. Now he could lose it at SummerSlam. I don't know, but I think that might happen. And like I said, there's a possibility that Xavier says, "Hey man, I beat the champ." And maybe that's their SummerSlam match. I don't know, but the one thing I hope they don't do, don't break up MVP and Bobby Lashley. You already broke up the Hurt business. Them together is very important, but I feel like Bobby Lashley, whether he gets screwed by Drew, which is a great idea, I I, I actually think Kofi's going to get that fucking title back, man.
0: Yep, I think Kofi's going to get the title, and then they'll move to something with the, either with Xavier or someone else, and Lashley, McIntyre will be focused on each other and Brock shows up at SummerSlam. And then that's your – until Rumble –
1: um, probably with here's Max a crazy
0: Tire versus Lashley at Mania.
1: Here's a crazy prediction. You know what if Big E wins, Kofi beats Bobby maybe from an accident from MVP or just beats him flat out, and then you know Xavier says something to Kofi. They build towards that, and even though Biggie's on another show, gets the briefcase and says, "Hey, let's see who the best in the New Day is. Here's this, and it's the three members of the New Day." Against each other at SummerSlam for the title.
0: I'm completely fine with that as long as they don't break up after the match happens. I don't think they nah. should ever break up. The New Day.
2: They're All like, right, and then
0: we'll... regardless of what happens, they're always the fabulous Freebirds.
1: Well, it's like we never got the Shield, the three of them against each other. I would love to see the New Day in one match, and especially if you have the title involved, that would be fucking that'd be a pretty cool moment at SummerSlam i would
0: i would love that i love that idea
1: all right last one roman reigns paul Heyman in his corner going against edge i expect fuckery uh maybe the mysterios will 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 combat that who knows maybe jacob fatu will show up on the show the mlw champion to help his cousin out but i regardless even if there's no interference at all roman reigns is beating edge and john cena is showing up next week to call him out probably
0: Yep, same prediction as you. I don't know how Edge is going to lose, but um, I'm assuming maybe he screws over Seth earlier in the night or Seth comes out and screws over Edge because that's the actual feud is Edge versus Seth and Roman is moving on to John Cena. I mean, that's been pretty much set in stone. I don't see Roman even coming close to dropping his title until fucking Mania. So um, that's unfortunate for Edge, but at least he'll have a good little run with Seth. And depending on who they can get, for Roman, which the idea, I think, is The Rock for Mania. Um, it could end up being Seth versus Roman, depending on how they build this fucking thing.
1: Well, did you hear about the new rumor with The Rock being involved for WrestleMania? Uh,
0: well, that's what I was saying, is The Rock's been rumored for a while, right? Him versus Reigns. Well,
1: for him to get in the ring, apparently one of... And this is, could be a bunch of bullshit, but what from people are hearing is... The movie companies would prefer him to be in attack match. So Roman and one of the Usos versus him and one of the other Usos. Because they're planning on doing those as two singles matches. But they might combine them so Rock doesn't get injured in the process. And I don't really know if I care about that. And also, I would not want the title not involved. And that means that to me that probably they'd take the title off of Roman to do that. That's definitely not worth it.
0: Hmm. Well, I mean... The other option is you do Reigns versus Reigns versus Cena or Reigns versus Lesnar at Mania, I guess. Unless you want to do Goldberg.
1: Because you know uh, they're going to
0: want a big outside name. And they're already talking apparently about Apparently he's showing up on Monday.
1: Back. Yeah. Uh, so. We didn't talk about that. Do we care about Goldberg on Raw? Is Goldberg going to go against Bobby Lashley or Kofi Kingston?
0: The only way I care about this is if he shows up only to get demolished by Lesnar. On Monday. <laughs> or or no. by Drew or, or someone. like, uh, You're going to have so many big people on the Monday Night roster. Like You don't need Goldberg showing up and having two-minute matches with any of those guys.
1: Well, I think that's a perfect way to end the show. is uh, Talking about wanting Goldberg to get annihilated by someone else. But that is our show, guys. Thank you for listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We do the show. Record on Saturdays, get the show out the next day, usually. And me and Chris just love doing this every week. Uh, So, you know, look for the show if you're a new listener. Old listeners, thank you so much. And you can find us, just look, Geek Vibes, or you can look for Geek Vibes Nation, uh, or you can search Wrestling Geeks Alliance either way on any downloadable platform, whether it be Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes. uh, You'll find our show, and just like and, you know, listen to our show every week. We appreciate it. Chris, any plugs?
0: Uh, yeah, we're new Skates to Throats episode will be coming out. We're going to talk about the expansion draft for the Seattle Kraken and some mock draft picks for the NHL. And uh, that's at Skates to Throats. Find it on Spotify, all of the platforms, same as our show, and in, same as the Geek Vibes Nation show. If you want to talk to me directly, you can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton um, on Facebook twitter and on facebook christopher.r.patton and i hope everyone has a wonderful weekend and uh yay hit us up uh well, maybe we'll we'll create a facebook chat or something for for money in the bank to talk about this but uh everyone have a great weekend otherwise and dane i'll will shoot it back to you
1: all right you can find me at danels42 on twitter or dane elves on uh facebook so message me if you want to talk about stuff enjoy anniversary tonight Enjoy Money in the Bank tomorrow night, and rest in peace to the great, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. Have a wonderful evening, day, whatever you're doing. Peace out, and let the geek vibes be with you.